Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Coming to Bard's Logic, Political Talk, part of the Conservative Conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network uh, at PatriotJournalistNetwork.com. Tonight we have our pre-State of the Union address show, where we're going to talk about tonight what you want uh, to hear President Trump say uh, when he steps on uh, that pedestal, so to speak, there. Uh, of course, we're going to hear about, you know, all the successes and things of that nature that, you know, he thinks his administration had in the past. I'm sure there'll be some of the challenges uh, that come ahead, but that's not what this is about. We will be doing the show, of course, uh, the Wednesday after uh, the State of the Union, which is the 30th, which is in about six days uh, from now. So we're barely going to miss it to be able to do a live show unless I do a special episode. Uh, which I very well may. Uh, so, uh, we're, of course, we're going to talk about that. We also have some other topics that we may uh, get into uh, pending, of course, with all the things, breaking news, uh, what's going on with the IRS, the different investigations, just get, gosh, it's a whirlwind. Uh, but we'll get to those uh, tonight. And, of course, I do got some audio what I want to hear or something quite similar to what I would like to hear uh, from the uh, the president coming on the State of the Union address. Uh, for those who know me and, and uh, long uh, listeners to the show, probably are not going to uh, have too much of a, a guessing on what uh, what I'm going to kind of play <laughs> play tonight. I've never played it on the show before, so don't uh, don't think it's going to be something I've played on the show before. Uh, but anyway, uh, that, that that's all I'll give away. Uh, and we do uh, already have some callers on, uh, so when you're ready to chime in. So what you would like to hear, uh, President uh, – I don't know why I keep on saying Bush, <laughs> President Trump, uh, maybe because I still can't believe it even after it's been every year. Uh, the, President Trump, uh, what you want to hear him say on his State of the Union uh, address, uh, push that one in your number dial. We'll get you to the show. Uh, I haven't had a chance to do any call screening yet, so I'm going to be taking it out on a limb uh, by uh, opening up a, someone's mic. Well, I haven't had a chance to do any green room time with them. But let's go ahead and do that. Why not uh, here on the show? And let's go ahead and welcome area code 808. Uh, your mic is live. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Fine, thank you. Calling from Hawaii. I used to be uh, an avid listener and participant. I hope you remember me, Robert. Pleasure to be I, on the show. You know what? You have a very distinct voice for one, Joe. 
<laughs> that I'll give you. Thank you definitely you. have a very distinct voice. Uh, and, yes, I do remember you. And even if you did not, I would. How have you been? Uh, doing great. Thank you for asking. I uh, moved, uh, relocated to Hawaii last uh, September. And uh, right That's now I'm nice. definitely enjoying the 80-degree weather. I bet you are. I'm, uh, but, uh, what, 30 degrees maybe or 40 degrees uh, here in Ohio. So great. Well, you know, why don't you send me some pictures? I don't know if you still have my email, but uh, that's great to hear from you. Uh, so I'm presuming at this point that, you know, you, you would like to, you know, kind of give us a, what you would like uh, Trump to talk about, correct? Definitely. Um, I have stayed pretty much in political hibernation since uh 2016, um, a lot of uh, different events uh, unfolded, and uh, I uh, I uh, fought the good fight. Uh, I campaigned, and, uh, you know, I had a lot of high expectations. Uh, believe me, uh, I wanted uh, Trump uh, to succeed, because if he succeeds, America succeeds. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, I was uh, a very consistent participant on your show. And uh, mm-hmm. for many years yeah, leading that. up to 2016, um, you know, the sense of urgency was there that uh, if we didn't change path really quickly, you know, America was going to go in a down spiral. And um, I'd have to say that in all fairness, you know, to Trump, um, the media has been very relentless uh, and biased towards him. Uh, the Democratic Party has even uh, gone more radically left than it was under Barack Obama. But at the same time, uh, I had the high expectations that uh, when Republicans finally controlled all three chambers, that uh, a lot of progress was going to uh, get done. And what's very disheartening is that uh, the Republican Party not on the same page so a lot of what Trump is trying to pass in legislation or have uh, the Senate and Congress enact is essentially been uh, like pulling teeth in Capitol Hill and, well, well yeah that's, um, that's, that's for certain Jeff definitely and so uh, you know the Republican Party said for eight years give us the White House give us the Senate and give us the House of Representatives, and we will take care of the major issues such as repeal and replace Obamacare, tax reform, immigration reform. And unfortunately, uh, today, um, that's not what's unfolding. So very disappointed in the Republican Party as a whole. But what I'm hoping uh, Trump is going to address at the State of the Union is I'm hoping he's going to emphasize the importance of uh, party unity and uh, American unity. Because uh, in today's age, in 2018, politics has become so divisive on both sides that if you just barely utter a word that's related to politics, you know, you have a lynch mob after you. And it's very sad that it's come to that precipice. What I'm hoping he's going to emphasize is that the Republican Party uh, honor their promises for eight years and uh, collaborate and cooperate more with President Trump and helping him to enact uh, 
you know, his platform and his vision and for him to keep his campaign promises. But uh, to be honest, Robert, um, I've lost uh, complete hope at this point. Um, I don't see things getting any better. I see them getting worse. And uh, that's just the way I, I see things um, as of now. Well, yeah, I know you've been very active, uh, you know, in you know, politics, you know, for the years that we've been on the show and the year you, years you've come on. And I do see folks on the, uh, on the line just push the one on your number dial, and I will get you into the show. Uh, and one thing that the battle cry you're going to hear, or the mantra you're going to hear, I should say, or you can say battle cry too, that I think you're going to hear in 2018 is, well, now it's time, to, and, and I think this shutdown we just had, I think uh, you're going to hear, well, now we need 60 Republicans in the Senate in order to get anything done. I think that's what you're going to uh, – what you're going to start hearing as soon as it really starts to gear up for the, you know, the 2018 elections. That, that, yeah, you're going to hear that. Uh, now, the problem is, is uh, who are you giving – even if you get 60, it's who you get in. One of the things we've been pushing here a lot on the show, both – uh, on le- you know the right and the left for that matter is to get rid of all of these incumbents, primary them all out. You know, you know, for the, on the Republican side, get Trump to get behind the uh, the grassroots. You know, the non-incumbent candidates. You know, to get behind them. So I, I really think that I don't know. I thought until the thing that happened with um, with Roy Moore. I thought that. Because uh, Trump ended up, you know, supporting Romar, as you know. But uh, you know, obviously, we you know now it wasn't enough unless there really was shenanigans that some people are are saying. I know we've got uh, some folks here, uh, Jim Conda Jr. He, I'm hoping he would get on the show and be able to give us a report. I know he, you now he's, if you recall, the founder of uh, Watch the Vote USA, uh, and so, you know, he's been working on some, you know, some things. Uh, that he hasn't been able to, I guess, get any, give us a report on yet. But, uh, you know, I know he's been working on that. And he was actually one of the folks who got the information to Trump about the electronic uh, voting fraud possibilities. When you heard Trump talking about electronic voter fraud, uh, that was something that Jim Condit uh, and his folks were, were working on and was able to get a letter to uh, to Trump for that. Um, so, and then towards the end of the campaign, you start hearing more about it. But, you know, the, but one of the things I want to ask you is, you know, and there may be some folks, you know, who would agree. And where do you see it's getting, and what what issues? What do you think is actually getting worse? Uh, in all honesty, I, I would nail it down to a, a few major issues, um, a, a few similarities that I see here, and a, a few different major contrasts. Is that the advantage? since 2016 is that Republicans control the majority in all three houses. So if everyone were on the same page, you know, Trump's uh, platform and what he wants to enact would not be uh, blocked. Uh, What I find kind of disturbing is that most people don't even want to admit to the left that when Barack Obama was first elected, the Democrats controlled all three majorities in all three chambers for the first two years, and that was the only reason why the, at the time, the Affordable Care Act, which I have nicknamed the Unaffordable Care Act, 
was able to be passed without one single Republican vote, and that became the first major entitlement in American history to be passed without bipartisan support. But the difference was everyone was on the same page with Barack Obama and his party. So whatever he uh, proposed to be uh, passed and enacted, it was done so. And, of course, the Democrats uh, paid the price for that because that's not what the Americans elected Barack Obama to do. They elected him to address jobs in the economy, and therefore the House in 2010 went to the Republicans. And so I don't see that unity with Donald Trump. And Exactly. And if, that, if there was a, a true unified front as strong as it was with Barack Obama, and it was kind of funny, Robert, you accidentally were, uh, you called um, Trump Bush, because uh, actually I was also going to bring up George W. Bush and his first four years. Uh, a lot of the legislation that um, and his platform uh, got passed because the Republican Party were all on the same page with George W. Bush. Uh, I don't see that with um, Trump. I've never seen it since the day that he was sworn into office. I see that half of the party is resisting and completely oh, yeah. taking away the home field advantage that Republicans uh, pleaded for eight years, give us all three chambers, and we will carry out our promises. And so that's where I see the major disconnect. If we have um, establishment, which is out of control more than ever, uh, when I called on your show, Previously, leading up to 2016, I was the first to admit that the corruption in the GOP has always stemmed from the establishment, and I agree with you. I believe that every incumbent should be primary. I believe that there should be term limits. I believe that anyone who's been holding on to power for more than 30 years definitely does not have the best interest of the will of the people. So my, my big issue is if being that Trump does not have that unity, how is it possible if his own party is resisting Trump and his policies? How is it possible for any Republican agenda to be accomplished? And at the end of the day, what the Republicans are basically giving the Democrats everything they want on a silver platter and making the Republican Party look like a bunch of fools because the Democrats know that we're vulnerable in the fact that we're not all on the same page, and we're not using the home field advantage that we were pleading the American voters for eight years to give us. And that, to me, is the biggest issue and the biggest disconnect of all. And I think uh, – and that's one of the reasons why I think uh, you know, it's so important to uh, – you know, that, that's, why, that's why I think it's so important for 2018. You know, it's going to be a very important time to uh, – to, you know, primary ML. I think I think it's going to be key, and what what kind of things are going to be able to get accomplished. I mean, if if they don't primary out a lot of these folks and get a lot of fr- uh, fresh blood in there, you know, your grassroots candidates, uh, people who aren't career politicians, and I'm not just talking about on the federal level. I'm talking about on the local level as well. That's why you know I'm trying to get some local uh, candidates on here, uh, but as you know, how difficult that can be. Uh, and so we. Uh, I think it's imperative, and if, if we don't, if we don't primary him out, and if Trump doesn't get out back there and back them, then my concern is 
is that they're just going to uh, – it's going to be, as you pointed out, where there's just not going to be enough dunks. He's, he doesn't have enough – He's not, he doesn't have enough backing, and I think it's because he's not a part of the old boy club. You know, he's not one of them. Uh, you know what I mean? I, he, he's not, uh, you know, part of their system, and he hasn't been. And I think that's one reason why they, you know, they, you know, they're, they're not getting behind him. It's not really about him or even his policies, and I think a lot of it is because you know there's some who contend that he may even be, you know, the most conservative president we've had since Reagan. Some are saying, or at least maybe not him personally, but what he's trying to do is the most uh, conservative thing that he – conservative president since Reagan. And so if we don't get exactly. these, you know, you know, if the Republicans don't get the, the rhinos out, if they don't get the establishment out, and the establishment, in my opinion, are pretty much you know, Democrat-like, if, or it's not Democrats. And me, I favor a multi-party system anyways. You know, I mean, I hate the R's and the D's. I, I, I don't like that we just have a two-party system. I much more like, uh, you know, Ireland's system, you know, of multi-parties, and, they, you know, they do preferential voting there. And one of these days, I'm finally going to get somebody from Ireland on here to talk about that. Um, but because of the time differential, it's kind of hard. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to get. They're six hours uh, ahead of us, so that with the show being a uh, ten uh, a.m. p.m. to one a.m., I mean it's already, uh, you know, it's already like four in the morning for them. <laughs> so nobody has to get up exactly. early in the in the morning uh, in Ireland to be uh, to be on the show unless they did a special episode, which I'm not opposed to. But I think that's uh, and, and Cindy, I, I do see Cindy's going to get online. Cindy will get you in. And then, of course, Joe, as a reminder for those who are new to the show, of course, once we uh, you have you on the line, we do keep your mic open. If there always going to be any background noise, just mute your own uh, phone or mics. I really don't like to have to do that. Uh, but if you, know, if you have to, you know, if I have to, I will. But we usually do pretty well if not have, I may not have to do that. But we do keep the mics open, as you know, Joe. Uh, we will be bringing, you know, things in the conversation back to you as well as we do as uh, folks with our roundtable discussion. So let's go ahead and uh, bring in Cindy. And uh, thank you very much, Cindy, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, and hi, Joseph. Long time no see, buddy. Thank you. Pleasure to hear from you again, Cindy. Yeah. Way out there in um, Hawaii now. Wow. <laughs> Is this following a job? Uh, it's actually fulfilling my uh my long-term dream of actually uh, relocating and settling down. So it's my place where uh-huh. I, I plan to settle. Uh-huh. Cool. Well, you know, uh, you mentioned a few things that, that you wanted to see in the in the, the speech, State of the Union, and uh, I, I do certainly understand your viewpoint because that's exactly what most of us on this show have been think, saying, too, is that, Trump's main problem is really not the Democrats. It is the uh, establishment Republicans. And um, when when you consider, um, I know you mentioned that Obamacare passed with not a single Republican vote, but the thing is, I believe that the reason some of them didn't vote yes was because they knew they didn't have to. And if they did, they would have to answer to the, their constituents back home. Um, I believe that many of them did exactly want Obamacare. They do want um, single-payer health uh, plans in the, in the future. And um, I'm lumping in people like McConnell and Porker and um, uh, Paul Ryan, 
and lots of other people. Um, I think that they knew that they didn't have to vote for it, so they chickened out, and well, I'm not going to say chickened out, they never intended to vote for it because they knew it would pass without them, but they wanted it. In fact, during um, Obama's tenure, after 2010, when the Republicans got control of the, the House, they passed uh, the repeal of Obamacare. I think it was four times they passed it. But, <laughs> yeah, a lot of times, yeah. Exactly. And then when the time came when we had a Republican president who would actually sign the repeal, all of a sudden nobody will write a straight repeal Obamacare piece of legislation. They had to fill it all up with earmarks and they had to basically just make Obamacare um, 201. And they just did a lot of changes. They took a lot of stuff out. They put some stuff in. And um, basically we were still getting Obamacare with only a um, an outside puff of the powder um, to make it look halfway decent. But there were lots of senators and um, representatives in Congress that saw through that, and they voted against the repeal because of that. And again, Mitch McConnell and all those guys, all the leadership in the Republican Party knew that that would happen. That's the reason they would not allow a straight-up vote on a full repeal of Obamacare. Nothing added, nothing subtracted. And so I think it's a lot worse than what we are being told by, you know, Fox to me is just a a shill for the establishment, uh, of the establishment Republicans. Um, Most of it is. Most of it is. They'll go after Democrats, you know, establishment Democrats especially. But they will not go after McConnell and uh, Ryan and those guys. You know, um, I think maybe Hannity's probably the only one that will go after those guys um, within Fox News. Now, there's some guys out. What about Laura Ingram? Well, she doesn't go after them like Hannity does. She, well, no. she talks. She talks real conservative, but I don't really see her laying into them like Sean does. And basically, when Sean breaks a piece of news, she'll report it. But she's not the one doing the breaking most of the time. She does not go after those guys um, because she's considered a true repu- uh, true conservative. Um, She'll she'll go ahead and report it once it's out, but she's not going to be the one to uh, expose things like like Sean does. He really goes after it. He was saying years a year ago or better that um, um, Hillary and Obama and all those guys um, had uh, done this fake dossier and that they had funded it, and that um, um, that steel guy 
was all in on it, and the FBI Comey was in on it. He he was set, he was exposing all of that stuff a long time ago, and and everybody just called him a uh, 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 conspiracy theorist, which is my favorite name for me. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I I'm with Joseph. I I don't really have a lot of hope for. Um, what's going to happen until we can get some of those guys out. Now, we tried um, to get Roy Moore in, and I had great high hopes for Bannon and his little list of, of um, incumbents that he was going to, uh, incumbent Republicans that he was mm-hmm. going to get out of it. Um, but he screwed that up. And because he screwed it up, people started criticizing him, and then he took the criticism personally and decided to turn against Trump. And that's when it all went bad for him. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, yeah, and it could I guess, go bad for what he's trying to accomplish too. Right, exactly. So, and and it makes me wonder because he's tied up with Soros and taking Soros money to start this new thing he's doing. That tells me really possible. That he, yeah, he he possibly was never really on our side. Wow. He might have done this thing with Roy Moore the way he did it on purpose. Um, Interesting. You know, we don't know who's responsible for digging up all those women to to come out. And and here's the thing. Um, I still to this day cannot understand why Roy Moore is not fighting that as hard as it should be. The only thing I can think of is he's got a lack of money. Well, and also remember, remember real real quick, Cindy, uh, real real quick mm -hmm. note is that remember what I said after the election. Remember what I said after that special election? I said here on the show, and off the show too, but I said here on the show, give it two weeks or so. Remember, I found a lesson. You're breaking up, Robert. Robert, are you there? Is, is that better? Is that better? Yeah. Yes, it is. NSA Bob must be interfering. Uh, no, but anyway, but remember, remember what I said. When all this stuff was going on around the, the, you know, the election, you know, all these things are going on about, you know, oh, you know, sexual harassment, you know, things of that nature, and then boom, the election's over. And and as I said on the show, a couple weeks later, what's going to happen? We're not going to hardly hear anything about any kind of scandals anymore. And what is it? I mean, the election was what a month ago, maybe. Do we really hear? Is it in the news a lot now? No, it's gone. It's over. I think it served its purpose, and I think it's purpose. I think it served its purpose. Its purpose was to get him not not elected because I think he would have been the bellwether for uh, the uh, incumbents getting voted out. Mm-hmm. Start to start to drain the swamp to get all those incumbents out. Go ahead, Cindy. Well, and all those women that you know, the the famous women that started it all off, that had been, um, you know sexually harassed by um oh, what was his name now the guy that Brand, what was that guy's name that um, the producer the guy hollywood that, guy yeah the hollywood guy that they started the whole thing started with him anyway um i think they wanted you know they had they were getting two birds with one stone with this thing um on the on the one hand they could keep Roy Moore from getting the Senate uh, seat. And number two, 
they were getting rid of some trash guys that they'd always wanted to get rid of um, out of Hollywood. That, um, you know, they're just as, as fed up with them as they could be. And um, when they all got together and brought them, brought them down and brought those other guys down too, um, you know, they, they accomplished two things. And I think that was uh, what the whole purpose was in the first place. It's designed. Yeah, I think the whole thing was designed because uh, they, they don't want to drain the swamp. I mean, it's, you know, they have the power, both corporate and, you know, political. But remember, but before, in 2016, when we were talking about, and, you know, we were talking about it here on the show, and now you hear it up more often, is we're talking about the political class. Uh, you know, the term pol- the political class, that wasn't, you know, that's what we talked about, you know, we've talked about for years, all, you know, and that's where we're at. Uh, John, I do see on the line, uh, we are going to get you into the show. Okay, John? Uh, thank you. Um, and so I, you know, so, anyway, as I got backtracked there for a minute. But, you know, I, I, as I said, I think it's all purposeful. But really quick before we get John in, what, what's one of the things you would like to hear Trump say uh, at the State of the Union? Of course, you know, after the State of the Union, I'll, I'll probably be pe- playing it okay. in its entirety because you'll get clips all over the place, you know, but you, you, you won't be able to find – you'll be able to find it. But, I mean, you know, where, where you can listen to the whole thing. We're going to have it in its entirety on the on the show when we do our commentary and analysis. So we're looking forward to that. But what would you like to – Prior to that, uh, what would you like to, to hear him talk about? Okay. Uh, other than the things I'm pretty sure he will talk about, like all the things he's done to help our economy, I hope that he, ha- he has an announcement for us that um, the um, Congress is going to unseal the FISA court documents and um, we're going to be able to get um, some people in jail and some people fired um, and uh, all this swamp action that's been going on um, is is going to be finally over with and done with. And I think that the grassroots of the Democrat Party, the ones that aren't socialists, but they're just liberals, um, I think maybe some of them, their eyes will open um, and they may um, leave the Democrat Party. Now, I'm not saying they'll go to a, be a Republican. They may go over to the liberal side or something like that or independent. I mean, um, libertarian. Or Green Party. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, the libertarian or independent. But um, The Green Party. i, I, I got to say, you yeah. know, the card-carrying Green Party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say a lot of them would probably go to the Green Party. But anyway, I I, I would like to see them wake up. Uh, I'd like to see the the DOJ and the FBI held accountable for how they um, gave Hillary Clinton a, a clear road and a um, I, I just and, and didn't do their job and and just hid. Oh, we're definitely uh, getting yeah. We'll we'll talk her. about that probably later on in the show. What, what, what what's going on right. there with That's you know them thing. writing her pre, pretty much a acquittal before they even interviewed a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah, so that's one thing that um, I would like him to say um, is that there will be an announcement about that pretty soon and that there's going to be some arrests made, but I don't think he's going to let that come out. I really don't. I think he's going to keep that under his hat. He has been very um, close now. He's kept really stuff really close to the breast since that all 
started, and I think he knows a whole lot more about what's going to happen than he is going to say out loud. He's he's holding that he's holding that card. Is our friend as a friend Mark Prasic was a uh, founder of the Patriot Journals Network, um, but he had say keeping your powder dry. <laughs> exactly, he's keeping his powder dry. So anyway, that's one thing. And then another thing. I hope he says is that um, he's expecting very soon to get um, the money from the wall, and that um, DACA will be gone, and it will not come back, and. Um, I, I'm hoping that he will um, – um, well, but, you know, that's all stuff that, you know, it's in the future. So, I don't know. It's a State of the Union address. It's supposed to be what is it now, you know. So, I guess I guess I really don't well, have anything. To play, and, and it, well, it is. And, and actually, the audio clip I'm going to play after John, unless we get some other folks who'd like to chime in prior to that, the audio clip that, I, that I'm going to play tonight, it, it's about the future. Um, and I, I do. I think a steady union in the beginning. I think he's going to talk about, as you pointed out, the accomplishments that you know he feels that he, you know, he and his administration has done uh, since he's been in office. And then, okay, what are we going to do now? Well, I mean, what's what's next? What are we going to do and set things up for success for the next year? Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, before we go any further, I I want to read this to you. Um, supposedly. <laughs> supposedly it's it's a little um a funny thing it's a funny piece it's i'm getting off the series for just a second but uh, is kelly on the line by any chance do you see him on the line uh, no we don't i don't see kelly as of yet all right well maybe i'll i'll wait in another hour or so and see if maybe he comes on um yeah he, anyway, he always I, likes I got, the, the silly stuff yeah i think he'd enjoy this <laughs> Is, is, it, is so, it suitable for Bard's Logic After Dark? No, it's it's okay. For, <laughs> uh, before, it's okay before dark. <laughs> it's not that. Okay. Well, let, go ahead. But okay, well, another thing before we get, I'll bring out. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One more thing no, because we also mentioned how, you know, the Senate, the Senate is um, so important right now. To getting Trump's agenda done, um, we're 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 hearing all these these threats about the possibility of of Democrats winning more seats in the Senate uh, in 2018, and I, uh, I just they hurt themselves. To... They just yeah, they, well, Cindy, they just so. hurt themselves. <laughs> I think so. You know what I, I, I mean? You're right. I'm listen. They have a disability to bounce back like um, I never saw. It's like a, one of those little balls we used to, those little bounce balls that we used to do that were, went really high in the sky. Right. That's that's them. They have this ability to bounce back. Um, people forget, especially Democrats. That's forget. true. The the shortest Democrats memory is political always, memory. Yeah, yeah. They always forget their own party's um, crimes. But anyway. There's a guy, um, West Virginia. Uh, he's Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. He's going to run for the U.S. Senate against uh, Joe Manchin. You know him, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, this guy, I, I put this, I posted this everywhere. He has built a strong record of conservative accomplishments. First of all, 
he and a, he led a coalition of states that won the major legal legal victory over President Obama's EPA um, standards and stuff. Those so-called Clean Power Plan, remember that one? And the Supreme Court mm-hmm. actually struck that down because of him. Um, he also helped win a national stay of Obama's Waters of the United States rule, which would have just killed us farmers and and some and homeowners and businesses too. He also defended our immigration laws. Um, he helped to defeat Obama's unlawful amnesty program. Um, there's a whole bunch of there's a bunch of things he did um, that really show that he's one of the swamp uh, drainers. And so I, I'm going to be you know posting him from time to time to get him people in uh, keep him in his. I may even send money to this guy's campaign because. Uh, I think he's somebody that Trump. Go ahead. And that's good because I mean, I mean, when we finally get those uh, the folks around here, you know. There you go again. You're cutting out. On he moved from, uh, I know it's Renassi, which he was uh, originally going to run for governor of the uh, you know of Ohio, but Trump actually asked him to run in the primary uh, for senator and so he's going to be doing that instead so now we're, we're doing a little shifting you know i've got you know feelers out but man these people are becoming increasingly increasingly difficult to get a hold of as you probably have noticed uh, but we're going to go yeah. ahead and uh we're going to go ahead and uh get john in and then of course you know cindy we'll, we'll have your line on we got plenty of time it's a three-hour program but before we bring you in john you, you know let me go ahead and oh we just missed him i was just getting ready to get john in well, while we're waiting for John to call back in, let's go ahead and hear from our friends at the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, Check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network at www.PatriotJournalist.com, which Bard's Logic Political Talk is a proud member. And also check out our website at www.BardsLogicPoliticalTalk.com. Check out the different pages. You can see the list of the guests we've had on. Uh, some organizations that uh, I support there, and also, of course, our Bard's Logic Newsroom, where you can get uh, the articles that we'll hear from uh, probably tonight. Uh, you can even subscribe to the newsroom, where you can get updates uh, each week on when we update the uh, the Bard's Logic Local Newsroom. We also have Newsmax TV. I don't talk a lot about that uh, for the website, but we have that there as well. Uh, and so you definitely uh, check that out. I uh, appreciate it. And also you can get... Uh, to the you know Twitter, you could get to my Twitter account and also Facebook, uh, like the Facebook page. And I got I've started a group a long time ago uh, there on Facebook for the show. I really haven't done much with it to be honest. Uh, it has maybe 96 or something like that <laughs> members of the group that haven't done a lot with it. But maybe I'll bring that back more. But I know John wanted to get in, so let's go ahead and get you in. I do see other folks on the line. If you'd like to get into the show, just push the one on your number dial, and I will get you in. Let's go ahead and welcome John. 
And then, uh, and again, once we get to everybody, we are going to bring uh, people back, such as yourself, Joe. Thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, doing fine. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's good to hear a new voice for me, Joe. Welcome to the show, or welcome back, since you were terribly there before me. I hope the Hawaii thing with the, uh, was that false alarm for the nuclear missile thing didn't rally you too much, my friend. Thank you very much. Actually, I slept right through it. Oh, wow. how funny! Yeah, you guys hit on a on a several topics, and one of the points that I wanted to touch base on was, you know, we you guys talked about the Obamacare and Patient Protection Affordable Care Act, and how there was no Republican votes, and that they just kind of rammed it through. And then what's sad is the. Congress, you know, the Republicans tried like 60 times to repeal it. But the scam, <laughs> yeah. the, the scam is what I want to point out. You should never have a bill go to the floor on the basis of repeal unless they're going to flip the formula. Remember I shared with you in other shows about the balance of power flip vote scam that I told you about? Well, that's the big deal. we got to learn how to call our congressmen and tell them to quit being fraudulent to our Constitution, because check it out. If they would have took the vote to the floor, now remember, let me give you a little context here for a minute. The last time, the 60th time they tried to repeal it, they got 58 votes. It passed in the House, and then it went to the Senate on the basis of repeal, which is the basis of disapproval. They had to have 60 votes. They got 58. Okay? Remember that. If they would have sent it to the floor on the basis, do we want to continue Obamacare, then they would have only needed 41 votes to defeat it. They got 58. So see if they would have took it to the floor under, under the constitutional premise of how we're supposed to be voting on whether we want something active in our government, you know, something that we're for, if you're going to repeal something, you just bring it back to the floor and say, do we want to continue it and have the same 60-vote threshold? Well, they would have had it because the, on a, when you bring it to the floor on the basis, do you want to continue it, you only need 41 votes to repeal it. And we got 58 whenever they had flipped the basis of the um, vote to disapproval, you know, repeal. So we would have had it. Does everybody understand that? Give me an amen. No, you know I'm not going to say amen, John, but uh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Go okay. Well, I just I'm just I'm just floored at how many it, times we. I'm just floored got, at how many now, Cindy, times she, we talked about. Cindy and uh, Doctor Tolbert, I think she Doctor Tolbert. I uh, got Doctor Tolbert on the line as well. I know he'll he'll be with you. <laughs> well, you're right, John. Go ahead. I'm, I'm just uh, go ahead. For yeah, some reason, every time, and the the sad part of it is, is every one of our congressmen, senators, you know, whenever they're doing this, none of them stands up to filibuster this thing. So they're either ignorant of what's going on, or they're colluding to defraud the Americans willingly and knowingly. So that's a that's a very bad issue. Now, the other aspect too is I'm sad to hear this. You know, Soros is funding Bannon. And I'm just wondering is yeah, that, that another that that blows me away. Well, I'm just curious too if 
if that, if there's any proof to it, or is it another one of those alleged hearsay things like they baited Roy Moore with all these girls? I don't know. You know how we, how do we prove those things? If if that is true, then uh, Bannon needs to roll butt kicking, in my opinion. I look around. It was it was um, several weeks ago that I read that, so I can I don't know if I can find it or not, but I could well, go I, back and see if I can find where I. I think I posted that somewhere. I might be able I to find do, it. I do agree that there is a lot of fake news and a lot of um, mm-hmm. manipulation going on. Just like I said last week, this book about the fire and fury, I would not be surprised if the Washington establishment, Republicans and Democrats, in you know, back behind closed doors, colluded somehow to get mm-hmm. this guy to do it through some you know, in a special way that there couldn't be any paper trail and there'd be no email trails and stuff to to uh, tie them all together to prove there's collusion. So that way they could just put more um, people, you know, just undermine the, co- the, the credibility of President Trump. I mean, President Trump, like I told you before, I feel he was born with a silver foot in his mouth because he continues to borrow trouble more than anybody I've ever seen in the presidency. And when we got a rigged election system as it is, where the two-party system tries to nullify the votes of we the people and our right to self-govern, and then they, the elitists, get to pick the candidates and basically spoon-feed us who they want. You know, we get heads they win, tails we lose. The, The Republicans and Democrats are both the two, they're two sides of the same coin. And they've been rigging this system and colluding to defraud us forever, and that is there's too many facts out there for anybody to try to say, oh, that's just allegations and nonsense, baloney. You, I mean, anyway, I won't try to go proving that right now. Now, what would I want to say in this presidential address to the nation? There's a whole lot, in, uh, partly, you know, I don't want to rain <laughs> on your parade, but I don't like Trump or I don't like anybody allowed to go into government and use the treasury as their personal piggy bank for their pet projects and then they particularly get to spend all of our money on what they think is right but they defy us of having the right to self-govern and they deny our will being mutually and reciprocally included in self-governing you know where's our will mutually and reciprocally included in all the laws, rules, processes, and procedures of self-governing so that it correctly reflects our opportunity to pursue our happiness. As long as our will is not included in the written, enacted, codified, and ratified documents, then you are left to the crumbs that those who do get their will written into those documents that they want you to have. And therefore, they write laws to give them a high-speed fast lane to their pursuit of happiness while they just give us speed bumps, roadblocks, and and walls. And as long as we don't get our will in the rule of law, written, enacted, codified, and ratified, we are nothing but legislative slaves. They say they're our representatives, but if you think representing you like a pimp represents a prostitute is representation, then you don't know the difference between the rule of man and the rule of law, and you're self-delusional. So anyway, I hope President Trump says, hey, we're going to have to stop this nonsense about people that get elected get to actually continue to rape you like a criminal um, gang enterprise. They're the, they were using the government like a thug, criminal enterprise. 
They go out and take your money from you every paycheck, and then they spend it the way they want. And if you if they come back to get more in your paycheck and you stop them from it, they use force, violent force, to make sure they can keep taking it from you, and they continue to deny you the right, your say, in how to spend it. You know, mutuality of agreement, that due process of law where you get to have the right to uh, good faith bargaining, good faith negotiations, mutuality of agreement, you know, that's a part of the rule of law. They deprive you of that. They call it representation, what's actually fraudulent misrepresentation by extrinsic fraud and then fraudulent conveyance because they take your intellectual property, self-governing, and convey it fraudulently to themselves so they can barter behind closed doors with all of these crooks that want to do their special deals on the side, and that's why they get all of their subsidies and special tax breaks and, and all the collusion that goes on through tax policy and governing policy that the wealthy get wealthier and the rich, I mean, the poor keep getting poorer. Anyway, I hope he says something about that stuff. And it just bothers me that, you know, I talked about the um, bills in Congress that I've been seeing being passed and stuff. Well, I just found out over the last week President Trump has been going ahead and writing a lot of these bills into law. And I was talking about bills that where they were consolidating power to them themselves, and they're actually using our data and being making it okay for companies and stuff to trade with, you know, companies, our data, and making it okay for our law enforcement agencies to trade with the international foreign companies. Um, uh, intelligence or law enforcement groups, and I'm like, and we don't have any say in that. And then the FISA seven, you know, uh, FISA Act reauthorization here recently. After right. All this yeah, that that kind of stuck this, on that got stuck under the radar, didn't it? <laughs> well, not really. I, I mean, a number of people brought it. Now it may have snuck under the radar for certain people, but not me. And I brought it up. I thought a few shows back that it was coming up. But anyway. The funny thing of it is to me, with all of this special CIA, you know, CIA. Well, real, real quick, real, real quick, John. And I mean, I, and I do see a couple other folks who pushed the one the number dial. We will get you into the show. Get a number of uh, folks on. Uh, but remember, John, well, one, John, it's, it hasn't made real big. You know, you mentioned it. It hasn't made a lot of big headlines. Is what I, what I was stating. It's, it's not that vote was not put under the forefront. You know, of, of the news. You know, that's not something that a lot of people probably even know about. That's what I mean by under the radar. They they didn't really uh, talk about. It. I mean, even your, you know, even your, uh, you know, the, the Fox News is sending them pointed out didn't really say much on it. Uh, but go ahead, and then we do got Dr. Tolbert, and I do got some uh, green room work to do. Uh, go ahead yeah. and finish that up, John, and then we're gonna bring in Dr. Tolbert. Go ahead. Okay, well, I guess because I kept seeing it on different lamestream news media people, I just didn't think it was hidden. I thought it may may not been out there flooded, but it was out there. But anyway, the point I was trying to make is it, that with all this FBI and CIA stuff that's going on where they're trying to use the Russia investigation and all the manipulation of these people that hate Trump that are working within the intelligence agency, using that data to try to you know get this dossier and all this stuff against Trump, Trump goes ahead and reauthorizes the FISA without any amendments and Justin Amos and Zoe Lofgren or something like that. Anyway, I forget. Lofgren is her name. They tried to put an amendment to it to make sure it was more constitutional, and they couldn't get it through the Congress. So, you know, it went to Trump without that, and Trump still passed it. And you got this Russia investigation. 
it's supposed to be an investigation on how Russia influenced our elections. And now it's flowing into just anything about Trump. They wanted to. They want to look at Trump from every angle. I'm like going, if you're investigating how Russia influenced our elections, and you're going this deep into Trump, okay? There was what? How many other candidates on the Democrat side and the Republican side? There was contributions from their funders. Are you going to do this same kind of special investigation on every person that had anything to do with the election? The doggone election commissions. All the people in there were they colluding with the Russians too? Because this is just bogus, unruly. This ain't the rule of law, my friends. Back to you. <laughs> Thank you, John. And, you know, we uh, did have 612, uh, maybe the, when I put them into the green room, uh, cut their audio, and they uh, they hung up maybe thinking they they uh, weren't hearing the show anymore. So hopefully they'll uh, call back in. Uh, I announced it, but that's okay. But let's go ahead and bring in uh, – hopefully they'll give us a call back. Because I definitely like to, to hear from him. So let's go ahead and bring in Dr. Tolbert. Dr. Tolbert, thank you for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing well, thank you, Robert. And you know, when I had sent you some information earlier, I just wanted to focus on the central focus, and that is that in January the 30th, uh, that the president is supposed to give his State of Union address, and then the question was. What is or what should the president be talking about? And yesterday, we mailed the article of 66 pages to him, which now can be found on calltoduty.org. We posted it yesterday, and we overnighted it to Mar-a-Lago, to the uh, Trump Towers, to the president. It's going to go to the 20 different countries. And what it's really about, in case people don't understand it, there's three ways to, that the president should be discussing. And the first one is education. What are we going to do with the Department of Education? Are we closing the Department of Education like he originally stated and bringing it back under the constitutional authority uh, that the state's responsibility? So, number one, are we, in fact, going to look at education as the primary means of which the United States can reach the next level? Well, the next level is called production, and production means are you going to bring jobs home? How are you going to change the laws, the taxes, restructure the financial ability? And they're talking about Chase and some of the other banks, which are part of the Federal Reserves and part of the uh, uh, Illuminati's and the Jesuits. And so is Trump going to refocus on production uh, looking at that, that some of our major, major banking institutions are investing in countries that are not benefiting America, for an example, Venezuela. Uh, number three, of course, is defense. Uh, you know, is his focus that started several uh, months ago on reorganizing the military, uh, putting it under a central control that we no longer need the three branches, that, in fact, there has to be a focal point of these branches coordinating and working more closely together rather than them having a separation of power. So when we get back into it again, education, production, and defense. And so what did we do? Well, we sent the 66 pages, which, by the way, is a sign of man, by coincidence, 
to the president, and we covered what we just talked about. We covered the ethical behavior, uh, the establishment between the uh, the islands versus the southern uh, South America countries, the production, uh, the issues of terrorism with Venezuela, uh, the articles on Puerto Rico, the restructuring and production of America, the elimination and the restructuring of the IRS. So all these sequence of articles of the eight attachments are really about the three items, education, production, and defense. So when the president gets up and when he starts speaking, he needs to focus on those three items. And then he needs to tell you how you're going to do it. Does he look at the wall as being an issue? And, you know, from my standpoint, I'm not in agreement with the wall. My my thing about it, it is counterproductive, costly, and the Mexican government will benefit from the structure of the wall because it's their workers and their people that are going to build the wall. And it's also a violation of the Tenth Amendment unless Congress declares the illegal immigrants as invaders. And we get a lot of conversations where people think that the executive branch or Congress can circumvent the Constitution. And basically, Homeland Security and the other programs have actually violated the Constitution. Uh, Sanctioned cities belong to a state. It's up to them to make that decision. The states can choose who they want to vote, who they don't want to vote in their own elections, but not in federal elections. So there's a lot of things that has to be looked at, but I don't believe it should be part of the State of Union. I think he needs to take out the entire conversation of immigration and focus on he's going to make jobs more plentiful for the American citizens. And and he should focus on how he's going to do that and how the IRS should be eliminated and and how he can get greater production. So, again, I focus on three words, education, production, and defense. So anybody wants to look at the letter, uh, it has my resume showing my doctor degree, my military background, the fact that I'm a pastor, and that we're focusing on pushing the president toward a non-political environment. Uh, We filed charges against the two political parties. We still stand on the same basis that the president will only get reelected in 2020 if the independent non-political party individuals are persuaded that he's working in their behalf rather than as a Republican. So call to duty.org, read the article. You got any comments, send them back to me. We don't mind making corrections and going back with further updates. Thank you, Robert. Uh, you're welcome, Dr. Tolbert. And, yeah, I discovered uh, the 612 caller was uh, from Minnesota. Man, I was really uh, hoping to hear from, from them out as a state. I don't know if it was uh, – where they, they didn't hear the audio anymore and thought they, they got disconnected and they hung up and I was trying to do the green room, or maybe they accidentally pushed the one on the number dial, and that's, that's how I know uh, for folks to want to get into the show. It, some even message me, but <laughs> um, but also they, uh, you know, push the one on the number dial, and if you go in, the person pushed the no, number one. I try to get in the green room because, you know, I like to, you know, at least try to get the name of where they're from uh, before getting them on the show. Uh, but unfortunately, they got disconnected. So I'm hoping they call back in because I definitely want to, you know, like to hear uh, from voices around the country. And, and just uh, we'll, we'll give an update maybe tonight, maybe next week, 
uh, on, you know, with the geographics, because remember we were talking uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, we even had some, a small percentage uh, of folks actually who listen to the show, whether it's live or even the podcast, uh, that were somewhere in, actually in the UK, we had a little bit in uh, Russia and China and even Mali. Uh, there in, in Africa, so we'll see if uh, the Maui folks are still listening to the show. So when I will, because I think they only update, uh, I think the platform only updates uh, the geography of the and the percentage of it uh, on a monthly basis. So I'll, I'll have to check that out, but they, they may have already tweaked that. Um, and I do see a number of folks still on the line. If you'd like to chime in, just put the one on your number dial, and I'll get you in. Uh, and of course, and I appreciate everyone's patience. You know, we just have people keep you know flowing in, which is great. But we will get you know back to everybody. We've got plenty of time. There's still two hours left of the show, uh, and so uh, it may even be one of those we could use four. But unfortunately, we got three uh, and two of those left. So let's go ahead though, bring in Susan. Thank you very much, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm <clears throat> I'm fine. Just nope. really tired. Oh, how are you feeling, man? Ah, uh, feeling like I need to go to bed shortly. Um. I I don't know that he would talk about it, but um, one of my former classmates from high school posted about the Texas thing, you know, um, the march. There was a lot of marches in a lot of places. The women, you know, and they're... The women, I mean, it's not even cohesive as far as I'm concerned. They got different signs, different. I sent you the one thing that's funny, and it's for real, by the way, what I sent you about that. Gal, don't grab my, well, anyway, you know what (laughs) she was saying. Um, And I was surprised. All these women and these classmates were supporting all these marches and women's rights and everything else, okay? And what stunned me was it's they will they will support marches like that. Especially if it's against Trump and one of them said, Oh, well he has walked in on girls that were changing at those um uh, Events, you know, uh, beauty pageants. Oh yeah, you talk about the the coach, the gymnastic coach. No, I'm talking about Trump. She she actually said. Oh, that. I'm sorry. I was thinking something. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um. So I was telling him, hey, you know, um, well, in fact, one of them said, some don't mind the current administration's attitude towards women, because I said I won't join those marches for love or money. That for women's rights, ha, I'm perfectly happy with my rights and never was for women's movement. Don't need them. And I said, why don't you protest about Saudi Arabia and places where men marry little girls and all the crap that's done to those little girls? Want to prove you're a real woman and help those ladies? I've signed many petitions. And if someone paid for me to go over there, uh, well, I guess I would. And I'd be saying some things that might get me in a lot of trouble. So, well, we don't want you to get into trouble. Um, no. <laughs> well, if a bunch of women went over there, it might might be worse. worse it. But I don't think you will. Uh, this one gal made a comment to me that, well, there's plenty of Christian men here in the good old USA who marry and traffic little boys and girls. 
Just because you had it good doesn't mean we all do. I'm sorry, my mom fought too long and hard for us to stay silent. She's no longer here, so I must carry on her battle. Okay, so I come back with her with about who I'd voted for, Ron and Ron and different people, and for some reason my comment disappeared, so I put it back on. And I told how I'd been molested sexually in the fifth grade by the bus driver slash janitor who worked at Parker and later at Wapato Junior High. And I said, a lot of you would know who he was and probably would never speak to me again. And I named some guys that should know him. And I said, I don't give a rat's ass if they believe me or not. I have no proof either. Just like they don't with Trump. Um, it is what it is. And the flood of tears came later when I heard what Penn State Sandusky did to those boys. What I say is to protect your children and prancing around with a pink hat and signs is stupid and won't do that. We have things and programs now which we didn't have when I was a kid, you know. And um, so I told her some of the things that happened. So I, how dare you? You say that I had it so good. I mean, just because my parents I had it good at home, you know, doesn't mean that I had it good in certain situations. And she says, well, I'm trying to understand how you could vote for Trump. I wouldn't have expected you to vote for Clinton. These women are marching so stuff doesn't continue on punished. Really? I saw signs that, yeah, okay. So I am assuming your perpetrator was a Muslim. Um, I say, a Muslim who was a janitor, a bus driver in the 60s? Uh, no. But in the end, nobody commented after she had made her few comments. But the rest of them, the guys, everything, everyone I went to school with, their mouths were just shut. You know, whether it's because they didn't want to argue with me or they didn't know how to. I don't know. But I would think he would try to address that, but maybe the address is not the place to do it. Because that is ridiculous that they're marching around with all those signs and... uh, and one of the ladies, like you said, don't grab my, and she said, sorry, white boys, only a black man can handle this. Oh, yeah, the thing you sent me on Facebook. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, on behalf of white men everywhere, we support your decision. On behalf of black men, we admire your graciousness. We decline your offer and ask the Mexicans to take one for the team. Mexican guy goes, oh, we have a Mexican, there are some jobs we don't do. Maybe the Asians, on behalf of Asians, we decline the offer. We are practicing our arithmetic. Maybe the Muslims have the answer you seek. On behalf of all Muslims, we're going to decline because we don't eat pork. <laughs> Just like, oh, I that's mean, bad. That's bad. Yeah. But you've seen the uh, picture of this girl, you'd understand. It was bad. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is the stuff that was going on in these parades. You know, some of that, you know, what she was wearing and signs that didn't make sense that had nothing to do with anything. And it makes me sick because people that have really had this stuff done to them like me, it makes us look bad. No one wants to help or acknowledge it if if they know you, but it's easy in a faceless, nameless crowd to just march and wave a sign. It really is. But the minute you know that some a real person is into it, oh well I don't believe that that was my great uncle John. Well, hell with it, you know. If you're marching for it, then you should be able to support someone who's really been through it. You quit 
quit crying wolf because it hurts a lot of us. And that's what makes me so angry. They're just crying wolf. So I don't know how he would address it. I really don't. But it needs to be addressed. Stupid women out there, apparently. That's all I can say about it. And like I said, I don't know if that's appropriate for a, a presidential speech, but he does need to take care of that somewhere along the line to make sure that the message gets out there. I don't know whether he's guilty or not. Every time a, a man through the years is, just because a man compliments you or gives you a hug doesn't mean it's they're trying to pull something. It doesn't. You know, there are certain things, you know, Yes, and I, I know them, but I've seen girls encourage that kind of stuff. But I was in grade school, 7th, 8th grade. Girls would sit there, and the school teacher was married. And he would bend over and look, but they'd spread their legs and wear short skirts, just so, and, and they thought it was funny. And I thought, you, you dummies, you have no clue, because by that time I'd already been molested. You have no clue what you are doing. You have no clue. You're stupid. So it's, it's a combination. You have to be a lady, but you can't just take everything as an insult. I like that girl wearing that shirt. I mean, it's 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 just a. I just implored by her doing that. So, oh, well, my rant is over. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, and uh, we did have uh, actually someone. Uh, who uh, chimed in? We're going to bring in, I believe it was uh, Linda, but we, the line is dropped for that one as well. Uh, so hopefully uh, Linda will call back in and hopefully we'll get the person from Minnesota as well. We do see some others who are on the line, just push the one and the number dial, get you in. Uh, and then we're, about, we're going to bring things back. Um, so anyone, anyone does uh, chime, you know, want to chime in uh, or a, a new uh, person calls uh, to do that, I'm going to go ahead and give, you know, my little. Uh, think of what I would like to hear uh, Trump talk about, but I'm going to do it in a different way as I'm going to go ahead. I got this audio uh, that I'm going to play and it's a bit, I've got, I, I had actually three different clips uh, depending on how, how much I was going to play. And I'm going to play the middle one. I had a three minute one an eight minute one and a 17 minute one. Uh, but I, mean, I guess, uh, you know, just play the, the eight minute one at this point. Uh, Cause this, this kind of give you a flavor uh, of what I would like to hear uh, Trump talk about. And, well, let's just go ahead and listen to the audio. Win the battle that is now going on around the world between freedom and tyranny. The dramatic achievements in space which occurred in recent weeks should have made clear to us all, as did the Sputnik in 1957, the impact of this adventure on the minds of men everywhere who are attempting to make a determination of which road they should take. Since early in my term, our efforts in space have been under review. With the advice of the Vice President, who is Chairman of the National Space Council, we have examined where we are strong and where we are not, where we may succeed and where we may not. Now it is time to take longer strides Time for a great new American enterprise. Time for this nation to take a clearly leading role in space achievement 
which in many ways may hold the key to our future on Earth. I believe we possess all the resources and talents necessary, but the facts of the matter are that we have never made the national decisions or marshaled the national resources required for such leadership. We have never specified long-range goals on an urgent time schedule or managed our resources and our time so as to ensure their fulfillment. Recognizing the head start obtained by the Soviets with their large rocket engines, which gives them many months of lead time, and recognizing the likelihood that they will exploit this lead for some time to come in still more <laughs> impressive successes, we nevertheless are required to make new efforts on our own. For while we cannot guarantee that we shall one day be first, we can guarantee that any failure to make this effort will make us last. We take an additional risk by making it in full view of the world. But as shown by the feet of astronaut Shepard, this very risk enhances our stature when we are successful. But this is not merely a race. Space is open to us now, and our eagerness to share its meaning is not governed by the efforts of others. We go into space because whatever mankind must undertake, free men must fully share. I therefore ask the Congress, above and beyond the increases I have earlier requested for space activities, to provide the funds which are needed to meet the following national goals. First, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the Earth. No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important for the long-range exploration of space, and none will be so difficult or expensive to accomplish. We propose to accelerate the development of the appropriate lunar spacecraft. We propose to develop alternate liquid and solid fuel boosters, much larger than any now being developed, until certain which is superior. We propose additional funds for other engine development and for unmanned exploration, explorations which are particularly important for one purpose which this nation will never overlook, the survival of the man who first makes this daring flight. But in a very real sense, it will not be one man going to the moon. We make this judgment affirmatively. It will be an entire nation, for all of us must work to put him there. Secondly, an additional $23 million, together with $7 million already available, will accelerate development of the Rover nuclear rocket. This gives promise of someday providing a means for even more exciting and ambitious exploration of space, perhaps beyond the moon, perhaps to the very end of the solar system itself. Third, an additional $50 million will make the most of our present leadership by accelerating the use of space satellites for worldwide communication. Fourth, an additional $75 million, of which $53 million is for the Weather Bureau, 
will help give us at the earliest possible time a satellite system for worldwide weather observation. Let it be clear, and this is a judgment which the members of the Congress must finally make, let it be clear that I am asking the Congress and the country to accept a firm commitment to a new course of action, a course which will last for many years and carry very heavy costs, $531 million in fiscal 62, and an estimated seven to nine billion dollars additional over the next five years. If we are to go only halfway or reduce our sights in the face of difficulty, in my judgment, it would be better not to go at all. Now this is a choice which this country must make, and I'm confident that under the leadership of the space committees, of the Congress and the appropriating committees that you will consider the matter carefully. It is a most important decision that we make as a nation. But uh, all of you have lived uh, through the last four years and have seen the significance of space and the adventures in space. And no one can predict with certainty uh, what the ultimate meaning will be of mastery of space. I believe we should go to the moon. But I think every citizen of this country, as well as the members of the Congress, should consider the matter carefully in making their judgment, to which we've given attention over many weeks and months, because it is a heavy burden, and uh, there is no sense in uh, agreeing or, or desiring that the United States take an affirmative position in outer space unless we are prepared to do the work and bear the burdens to make it successful. If we are not, we should decide today and this year. This decision demands a major national commitment of scientific and technical manpower, material and facilities, the possibility of their diversion from other important activities where they're already thinly spread. It means a degree of dedication, organization, and discipline which have not always characterized our research and development efforts. It means we cannot afford undue work stoppages, inflated costs of material or talent, wasteful interagency rivalries, or a high turnover of key personnel. New objectives and new money cannot solve these problems. They could, in fact, aggravate them further unless every scientist, every engineer, every serviceman, every technician, contractor, and civil servant gives his personal pledge that this nation will move forward with a full speed of freedom in the exciting adventure of space. And there you have it, folks. I'd like to hear something of that, of course, in the place of the moon, and maybe even still the moon, Mars. Uh, and, of course, the dollars amounts won't be the, the same as it was back then. Uh, but, however, that is what I would like to uh, hear him talk about, certainly, is to, to, to reinvigorate that. Uh, so anyway, so let's go ahead and bring uh, our roundtable back around. And I did uh, get a post here from Linda. Uh, she was uh, actually uh, on uh, a liberal who was going to call it to the show. Was really hoping to be able to get her on. Uh, it looks like uh, may not have known about you know pushing the the one on the number dial uh, to get in until after waiting for a while. But unfortunately, she was not able to join us tonight. So hopefully, she'll be able to join us uh, another time. Uh, definitely want to get, you know, because you know we're we're open to, uh, and, and hello, Suzette, in the chat. It's great to see you. 
Um, so hopefully we'll be able to get uh, Suzette on the well her too, but uh, get uh, Linda to uh, call us back uh, on the program. And so, boy, I'm really—I'll be honest—I'm really disappointed about that and the uh, the person from Minnesota that we we missed. But let's go ahead and bring things back around in our roundtable discussion by bringing things uh, back to you, uh, bringing it back to you, Joe, uh, as the first person uh, we talked to this evening. It's, uh, I appreciate you, you hanging on and and still being with us. So, you know, I'm sure you've heard a lot tonight on what we're uh, you know what we're talking about with the main topic, you know, about the state unit address coming up, but also. Of course, you know, with all the things going on, the you know, the FBI investigations, of course, you know, uh, losing those five months worth of tax makes you say, hmm, you know, and anything of that nature, of course, that is in the, uh, you know, the news of the day, so to speak, if you want to make comment on that, uh, you're welcome to. So let's uh, set, bring it back uh, to you, Joe. Go ahead. Sure. Thank you. That was a great clip played by uh... – uh, Robert, and um, that was the great JFK. Uh, I recognize his voice, and um, it's sad because uh, JFK will go down in history as one of the greatest Democratic leaders uh, of his time, and that was a time and a place when the uh, liberals actually uh, could rationalize, and they were not radically to the left, and um you know, you could see eye to eye with the Democratic Party back then. Um, that's pretty much extinct, uh, unfortunately. And um, it's sad to see that. But uh, getting back to the State of the Union, um, and I'm not trying to sound pessimistic uh, whatsoever, um, but I am, I consider myself to be pragmatic. In the end, it's not going to really matter what Trump says or how he says it, in my opinion, because it's just going to fall on deaf ears. That is my fear. Uh, just like everything that he has uh, stated since he's uh, been sworn into the White House, that's the problem. Uh, it's just going to fall on deaf ears. And many people did not expect Trump to win. As a matter of fact, all the polls show that he had between a 7 to a 10% chance of winning going into election day. How Hillary lost was not only did she fail to not hold up the blue wall, but uh, three states that have been traditionally blue and weren't in flip red since Ronald Reagan, which were Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, uh, flip red. And of course, Trump uh, had to win the crucial states of Ohio and Florida. Now, a lot of uh, the reasoning as to why people ask, well, how could this be possible, is because a lot of those political scientific polls didn't factor in people who didn't weigh in and who decided literally on election day that uh, they were voices that were not being listened to for a long time and their voice was going to be heard. And because of that, Trump was elected to the White House. Now, if only we had that same backlash with the Republican rank and file, then it's possible that there could be a drastic change in the 2018 midterm elections, where the impossible, which was proven by Trump, can be possible. And my fear is that and this is something that I, I've always emphasized to to you, Robert, and to Cindy, uh, and the other panelists on the show, is that 
most of the American voters have still failed to, to have awoken. They're still asleep. They're still in their dogmatic slumber. They have not awakened because a lot of these same voters continue to elect the same rank-and-file establishment Republicans that have been in power for over 30 years. They are the enablers. So I see an even bigger fundamental problem, and the problem still is with the voters that continue to reelect these same politicians despite them capitulating, despite them selling out the voters, which, Robert, I I can't understand it because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same results. But the problem is that as flawed as the Democratic Party is, they're unified no matter what. And that is the vulnerability that the Republicans have, is that they're not unified. Because if they were unified, they'd be able to take advantage of the home field uh, you know, position that took them eight years to get. And they'd be able to enact most of the legislation that Trump uh, has envisioned. Because there's only so much Trump can do via executive order. And so... Truth be told, it's going to take a lot more than a referendum on Trump for the Democrats to win the White House in 2020, which is my prediction. Uh, Right now, the Democratic Party, they have no economic platform. They have no social platform. They have no leader in face of the party. So everything they can do right now, and so far they've been successful, is everything is a referendum on Trump. Everything is what Trump tweeted what Trump stated. And too many people are falling into that. And that is what is really frustrating me is that every day I wake up and I hear the voters and all they can talk about is what Trump said, what Trump didn't say, how the Democrats reacted. Those are the people who have not woken up because for the people who are awake, the very few people, instead they should be talking about what do we do to either form a third party or what do we do to have a serious approach of ousting the rack and file establishment instead of focusing more on, oh, you know, they, uh, they, Trump tweeted this, Trump tweeted that. Or I also feel that there are a large portion of the Trump supporters that are too sensitive and then they unintentionally lose focus. And so if someone takes a swing at Trump, they jump on top of the people that do that, but they're taking their eye off the ball in doing so instead of focusing on 2018. This is going to be the litmus test. This will be the defining moment, Robert, and I agree with you. 2018 is crucial. Can the Republicans, A, hold the House and the Senate, And B, if it goes to the Democrats, not only are we in a lot of trouble, uh, my fear is that 2020 is also going to be compromised. Or can Trump be successful and can the people finally wake up and can they come out in the same form and tenacity that they did on election day and oust out these rank-and-file Republicans Vote in fresh blood, because that's the only way I see it 
that anything is going to get done productively for the Republican agenda. Well, and I think one thing Trump needs to do, and I think it's going to hurt him in the short term, I think it's going to hurt his, his agenda in the short term, but I think in the long term, and I'm talking about, you know, six, seven years after, uh, not six, seven years, you know, maybe not that long, but, you know, yeah, maybe about six years after 2018 is, a, is to when you get these grassroots, you know, candidates out there, the non-incoming candidates out there, the primary, for him to put his his weight and support behind those candidates, he's going to – yeah, he's going to tick off a lot of the establishment. He's going to tick off a lot of the incumbents, and they're going to be like, "Well, look, if you're not going to support me in the, you know, in the election. I'm just not going to support, you know, your agenda." Which we know they're not really going to support it anyway. But they'll give it lip service and say that. Uh, but what he's got to do is pretty much realize that, yeah, yeah, they're not going to do anything because I'm going to be against them. And if he really wants to, clean, in my opinion, really wants to clean the swamp, but what is better probably described as a cesspool. If you really want to clean it, I think that's what he's going to have to do is, and support all of they, them and say, look, but, you know, you go straight to the American people and say, I said I'm going to drain the swamp. And the only way to drain the swamp is for, you know, for us to support people who supported me, got me into the White House, need to support these grassroots, non-political career candidates, the primary out, the people who's been here, as you pointed out, Joe, you know, 30 years are career politicians. We can get fresh people in here, people who believe in the American people, people who believe in the agenda that we're trying to get accomplished and believe in what, you know, he stood for and why they elected him in, two, you know, 2016. So that's what I mean. It, it's going to hurt him to do that. It's going to hurt because people, as I said, they're not going to vote for his agenda. But once those people are out and he gets these, you know, the grassroots, non-political uh, career, you know, people in there, those who are from the people who, uh, you know, agree with what his agenda is, then you know what? If he can get those people in, and then also, as I said, I think it may be because of the Democrats, it may be where they have to get 60 seats and have 60 seats in the Senate, uh, then I think we could see real change. If that happens, but Trump's going to have to do. Well, we the people, you're right, Joe. We got to wake up, and we've got to do it too. I mean, when when Trump got elected, the fight people people taking a sigh of relief, like, oh, Trump got elected. Wouldn't that that was just the first fight, and it probably wasn't even the hardest fight. The hardest fight is now because there's so many individual fights that have to be have to be won. You know, in order to get this agenda to, to make America great again. And so now, I mean, the fight is on. It's not. It's certainly not time to relax. And now that we're here, we're here. We're in 2018. You know, it's it's time to to find out who these people are. You know, get you know, show them support. Make sure they get money. As Cindy pointed out earlier, you know, for her to give money, you know, to candidates who aren't even in their state. You know, that's why, like here in Ohio, you know, supporting Renassi. If you know, if, if you want to report, you know, support somebody in another state, support them. But then we, that's our job is, is to get out and support these people with money, campaign for them, be the, boot, the, the boots on the ground for these, these grassroots, you know, these non-incumbent candidates, you know, get out there for them. And then on, and for Trump, he's got to get out there and put his weight and, you know, go to the rallies, go to, uh, you know, support them, endorse them, whatever, you know. 
kind of like what he did with Roy Moore. Now, see, that's bringing it back to Roy Moore. That's where I think the danger is. One of the things that Roy Moore, the thing with Roy Moore proved to us is that no one is safe. I mean, this guy, remember, this guy who used to be seen as a, a, a paragon of virtue almost, you know, and they took this guy who was almost a paragon of virtue, you know, known for, you know, evangelists loved him and stuff like that, to some scumbag. By false accusations that, to my understanding, were never proven. Okay, I mean, look at the, the look at the yearbook when they had uh, uh, what I can't remember her name, but when they asked, say, hey, look, let's let's have a third party and, and uh, analyze this uh, this yearbook. She never did it. The, the lawyer, I can't remember her name. Um, maybe somebody can help out on that. But yeah, she Allridge, you know, Lori Allridge. But, you know, they never did it. They never showed proof. There was never any proof that he did anything wrong, and he lost. Why? Because they were able, and they're successful, to set the narrative, okay, on this, and the and the media, and not only the media. You had so-called these so-called Republicans, and people need to remember that those people, those Republicans that came out against Roy Moore, the way that they did, those are the people you need to target to get to to, to, to get out of to get their seat. Those are the people you need to get out of there because they were – I mean, they were vapid against Roy Moore. Now, you know, and so those are the people – there you go. They showed their true colors. Those are the people you need to get voted out. And Trump's going to have to get himself some gonads in order, in, in order to do that. Exactly. I, I completely am 100 uh, percent in agreement, um, you know, uh, when so many people look back to 2016, uh, I remember election day. I didn't think Trump had a chance. Um, I, I don't think many people um, thought it was possible uh, to do the impossible. But it showed that when Americans truly have the will in our history, since we have since we won our sovereignty from from Britain. We have always shown our resilience. We have always shown when the American will is so strong, we have always been able to persevere. And that's what makes us the greatest nation in the world. If you take World War I, for example, and World War II, you know, without our intervention, you know, uh, probably the other side would have won and we would have been living, living in a different uh, world. So if the American voters at the state level have those same convictions that they had for Trump on election day, they can change the dynamics of the Senate and they can change the dynamics of the House of Representatives, but within their own party. They, they have the power to oust these rank-and-file establishments, Republican uh, senators and, and, and congressional leaders, who are doing everything to oppose Trump's agenda and take away the home field advantage. And so it's possible. But the only way to do that is a lot of people have to get involved. And as sad as it may seem, there's not a lot of people involved because there's still a lot of people that have not awoken. And my fear, Robert, is... Things are so bad at the, you know, uh, all across the board in every area in, in in America and around the globe. You know, I feel like the whole world is just falling apart. 
if, there, if, if that's not enough to awaken the American majority who have the power to change the dynamics uh, in the Senate, in the Congress, then when? When it's too late? When it's the point of no return? That's the question that I want to pose to my fellow supposed Republicans and conservatives. You know, um, actions speak louder than words. Is it possible to have an, a rude awakening on election day and put someone like Trump in power? Yeah, it, it, it happened. That's right. No one expected it. The voices that went on for years of being neglected, which I, I call the voiceless, their voices were repeatedly ignored, their will, their concerns ignored by these puppet establishment politicians. And finally, you know what happened on election day? The people said enough is enough. That is the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And the impossible became the possible. And Robert, if that can play in 2018, there is a realistic pathway to get the majority of Trump's agenda done in the first four years. And not only that, for Trump to successfully win re-election in 2020. Yeah, and I mean, and when Trump, you know, was going, um, you know, doing all the the, the rallies, of course, when he was being elected, uh, you know, of course, you know, I did some interviews and things of that nature. I went to like four or five of the different, uh, you know, four or five different rallies, you know, you know, around here. I mean, they were definitely saying, you know, it, it was a movement, and I definitely gonna need that again uh, in in two thousand and you know in, in eighteen. You know, this year, I mean, I mean, my gosh, it's, 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 it's this year already. Uh, so we're definitely going to have to, you know, bring it back. And I, as I said, because it's it's going to be a bunch of local campaigns, uh, it's, it's going to have to be, um, you know, I think even more intense. I really do. And then I've got uh, now Suzette in the chat. She uh, sent me a link. Um, it says, are you aware of the Q? And then we're going to bring you back into uh, in the thanks uh Cindy, and then it says the following will more likely blow your mind away. The FAQ of Q. Okay, it's a, a link that she sent me, and thank you very much to that. It's on Reddit.com, and I'll probably post it here on the Bard Logic page uh, as well. Once if once you get it loaded up to my uh, browser here. Uh, but while I'm working on that, let's go ahead. Oh nope, there it is. Now um, I'll, I'll look over it real quick before we go. Uh, I go to it, but let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to you, uh, Cindy. Go ahead. Okay, I I I don't know something couldn't get back on. I can <laughs> All hear right, you. I'm okay. I'm here now. Um, yeah. Um, we we the the problem, Joseph, is that um. Republicans aren't doing their homework. They're looking down the ballot and they're seeing D and R and blah, blah, blah. And they go, okay, I'm an R. I'm going to vote R. And they don't bother to, to, to see who that person is. They don't follow his votes in Congress. They don't hold him accountable or her accountable um, after they voted him in. And that is the reason people like Mitch McConnell keep getting elected. Now, I was very disappointed once again 
Newt has really disappointed me. He put out an article the other day about um, how Trump won this little um, um, attempt by um, Schumer to get DACA on that bill. And um, he put in there, um, he was giving credit to Trump and Mitch McConnell. And I'm like, oh, Newt, why? Why are you doing that? Mitch McConnell uh, yeah. would not sing about that if it hadn't been for Trump. I don't want Mitch McConnell to have two um, seconds worth of of congratulations or compliments or anything. That man only does what is politically expedient for him to do. He could care less. And it's all about his money in his pocket. And the guy is as old as Methuselah. How much longer can he be in the Senate? I keep thinking every time, well, surely he's not going to run. Surely he's going to retire now. But the last time, it was just like, I know he's going to retire. <laughs> and he just keeps hanging on and hanging on. And he just, he's just there for his own pockets. How rich can you be? These guys get hundreds of millions of dollars from different schemes to make money because of the things that they know about, the people they know about, their connections, their speaking fees, their ways to manipulate their um, campaign money. They have a thousand different ways to collect money and use money um, and, and taxpayer money too. And um, and yet, and yet, people keep voting them in there and don't understand that the only reason they're there is to make more money for themselves. It's not to help you. And how much richer can they get after you know a hundred million dollars worth? What do you? How much more money do you need? I mean, the guy is, is so old. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where he's well, spending his money. <laughs> I don't even know if it's the money anymore. I mean, it's just it's just, just being in it's just being in power, power for so long. Yeah, I think you're right. And, yeah, that has that has a big part of it too. Uh, they just want to be in power. And at this point, he's probably like, you know, sticking it in people's faces. Like, yeah, well, you try to get me out of here. You just try. You just try to get me out of here, you little conservatives. You know, it's like now he's got to, you know fight against us just to be able to win not, not because he really wants to be in the fight so anyway um, that's that and, and we we really need to do uh, people, uh, Republicans registered Republicans need to do their homework and they need to follow up on their um, their candidate that they voted for and if they don't <clears throat> do what they said they were going to do when they go in then in you, the next election, you um, put somebody else in there. You don't just keep electing the same guy over and over and over. Now, I want to bring out one more point before I stop. Yeah, insanity, like Joe, um, like Joe pointed out. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I want to point out one more thing because um, now Dr. Tolbert, last time he was on, he was talking about this um, this border issue and the wall. And, I, I you know, he's right about, the constitutionality uh, part of it and everything, but the problem with that is 
Yes, the states have control over their borders, but what state can afford to put the money into the wall that they need, first of all? And second of all, I mean, sometimes you just need the government's help. It's like um, when, a, when a hurricane hits two of your shores at the same time, your state is not going to be able to survive. With, I mean, well, you just don't recover from something like that very fast if you don't have um, help from the, um, the federal government, okay? At least that's, that's what they lead us to believe anyway. But let's just look at it from that point of view. Um, the, the problem that, that Texas and Arizona and New Mexico and California would have if they wanted to stop the porous borders, if they wanted to close them up, is how do you, um, how do you pay for it, first of all? Um, and, and second of all, what about the manpower it takes and, and, uh, to enforce everything that's being done, you know, like at the border and stuff, I mean, uh, the border crossings and things like that. Um, it, 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 and it affects so much of the country. Okay, Florida has given the right to Cubans to come here and be uh, citizens. All they have to do is make it across the water, okay? If they get their foot on the ground before our Coast Guard grabs them, then they're they're allowed to um, be able to stay here. Okay, so if they're allowed to stay here, that's fine. But we're talking about Cuba, which is a much smaller nation than Mexico. The mm-hmm. amount of people that get in here is so much less. And they have to make it over so many miles of water to get here. And a lot of people die trying to do that, Okay. A lot of people get caught trying to do that, and they don't make it in. So there's not that much of an impact. There is a big impact on Miami. It's called Little Havana now. But um, the rest of the state <laughs> yeah. and, the rest of, and the rest of the country, you're not going to see a lot of Cuban people. But you look at Mexico, um, the amount of Mexicans, the tens of millions or hundreds of millions that have come across, and they're scattered all over the country, and they are affecting the economy of every state that they get a, a, a large enough group of them there because they're taking government money. Um, they're taking food stamps. They're taking um, child um, credits on their taxes when they don't even pay taxes. They're paying. They're, they're being given uh, housing and there's all kinds of things that um, that they're getting once they cross that border. And I know this for the fact because the Catholic Church here, the Mexican Catholic Church here in, in our city, um, they have a lady that that's all she does is help Mexicans get all this stuff. And it doesn't matter whether they're legal or True. illegal. She gets it for them. Right. And so... Um, you know, there's a, a much larger – so something has to be done to stop that the porousness of that border. And and because you cannot do it, you, there's just no not enough manpower to pr- patrol that whole border uh, without a wall. Um, you have to have uh, some kind of a wall to keep them out. Um, and, and 
since California is not going to get on the program with that, obviously, you have to figure out a way to make sure that Mexicans don't come into the rest of the country if that's the way they're going to be. So um, I like Trump's idea of getting the border all the way across, um, whether the states like it or not, because it is affecting everyone. It's affecting everybody's economy. Um, You know, maybe it's not affecting Montana's (laughs) economy. I don't know. I kind of doubt they go up there. I bet it's not affecting North Dakota's uh, economy. But um, if you look around, um, most states have a problem. Certainly all the southern states have problems um, with the influx of the amount of Mexicans we have. So something has to be done. And if if the Congress has to do it, then they need to do it. But um, as a, as far as a fix is concerned, I don't see it happening in Congress anytime soon. So I'm looking at the wall as our only hope of stopping this influx um, in our in our lifetime. Because <laughs> you know how slow stuff moves through Congress, and with all the political oh, correctness. And, and and with all the political you know, correctness now about you know diversity and all that, um, you know blah, blah. you know the kind of fight they're going to get to mm-hmm. to change the constitution. You know. Well, so, and, anyway. well they, they, yeah, we, yeah, we do have Kelly on the line here. So let's go ahead and bring in our friend Kelly. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? And real quick, programming yeah. note for those out there listening to the show: we got about ten minutes. Uh, before we can bring you in, and I do want to, uh, Suzanne, I appreciate that article, and I did post that on the Bard's Logic Political Talks uh, page there on Facebook. I mean, it's a very long uh, document, uh, so hopefully we'll be able to hear from Suzette for some, uh, you know, for some a summary on that. I do still have what, what you typed in the chat, and I appreciate it, and we'll, we'll read that as well, but let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Kelly, and then, yeah, the interesting is the Q factor she was what what you call it? The um you call it the Q phenomenon. Um, so it makes me interested in that. Uh go ahead, uh go ahead, Kelly. Well hey everybody, how y'all doing? Uh, got some news that we'll get to in a bit, uh, from California, but I'm telling you I wanna move out. That way I can say I was I am from California, meaning I escaped. Um anyway, I got a friend, he's just he was raised here, he's just furious. Anyway, um, but yeah, you played a speech, uh, which is uh, JFK, which he gave some really good speeches. And uh, <clears throat> recently saw a movie that inspired me to kind of learn the speech and learn how to better communicate. Um, it's about 245, but it's very inspiring. It actually, it's June 4th, 1940, and uh, Germany had conquered uh, Belgium, Luxembourg, uh, Holland, uh, the Netherlands. He had pretty much got uh, Europe conquered, except for France, which was to soon fall in about a month. And so this is a name the speaker, okay? But in England at the time, people were walking around discouraged. Uh, Some of them had to look at suicide. And then someone addressed the parliament. And here's his speech as he addressed the speaker of parliament. He says, sir, we are told that Herr Hitler has a plan for invading the British Isles. 
This has often been thought of before. When Napoleon led Burloyne for a year with his flat-bottomed boats and his grand army, he was told, there are many bitter weeks in England. There are certainly a great many more of them since the British Expeditionary Force returned. Sir, I am a self-full confidence that if all do their duty and nothing is neglected, and the best arrangements are made, and they are being made, we will once more prove ourselves to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war, and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary for years, if necessary alone. The British Empire and the French Republic, linked together in their cause and in their need, will defend to the death their native soils, aiding each other as good comrades to the utmost of their strengths. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with ever-growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight on the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which for a moment I do not believe, this island or large part of it subjugating and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until, in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. So after, of course, now we have to ask people who that was that gave that speech. And, um, but it motivated the British people to step up in the factories and all over the place because the air war was coming the next month. And had Great Britain fallen, there's a high chance that we'd be speaking German and be Nazis right now. So, anyway, any guess who, who did that speech? Um, wait, stop, wait a minute. Don't say, don't say. Uh, did someone say it? Winston Churchill? Ding, 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 ding. And what is Robert Wynn? The San Francisco treat. Or rice aroni, the San Francisco treat. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I've, I've actually, uh, I went to uh, Darkest Hour. I saw Dunkirk also, but Darkest Hour, unbelievable, the internal turmoil. And there was people in Parliament that didn't get that Germany was going to invade. They didn't get it. And, and, and Churchill got it. He was the right man at the right time for the right job, and he inspired people to fight, and the, and the British won the air war. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, it... it <laughs> Without that that island being the stronghold, we uh, Nazi Germany could have could have conquered the world. I mean, it, it's absolutely stunning, and that was their intention, by the way, for their thousand year Reich. So I've been listening to that speech here and there, and it actually inspires me to keep doing things. I actually memorized it, but anyway. Um, wow, I know it's from yeah, right. Wow, good for you. <laughs> yeah, well, I've memorized Gettysburg Address and all sorts of things, but anyway. But yeah, it's just really inspiring, and you can Google his speech, and he turned the hearts and minds from, I mean, literally, people were walking the streets of London at the time like death is upon them or suicide. It was that bad, 
and uh, he inspired a nation to fight, and they did, and uh, all the rest is history. So anyway, if anybody has to, there's in Gettysburg addresses another really good speech. Kennedy's got a number of really good speeches. Um, can make a person a little more eloquent, affluent. Eisenhower had some stunning speeches. So I, I draw some inspiration from from these great men. And uh, so anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out. But the news from California. Um, boy, court case came down, and if you're if you're a licensed, if you have a driver's license, guess what? You get to vote, even if you're an illegal immigrant. So come to our country, vote yeah. yourself goodies that you never. That's why. That's you why you need your, to have the new California, the new the, the state of New California. Well, there, yeah, it's there are so many taxes going on; it's absolutely ridiculous. You want to record a document, the county recorder, it went up seven hundred percent. I found about out about this somewhere, and then I. At the, I went to the building department one day to ask some questions, and it's like they got a document that says. Yeah, this is from the county um, tax collector. I'm sorry, the county recorder, county recorder's office. Some fees went up 700%. I'm like, whoa, 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 the county's going political here. They're furious. DMV fees shot up. They're going to tax corporations more, which all it does is push, push people out of the state. It's like, what in the world? We're going to let illegals vote now. Oh, and here's another one. Um... Well, that's why they want the chain migration is because they want the Democrats voters. Yeah. Well, well, they can, they can't win in a fair, honest situation. They got to cheat. Here's another one. Um, our Attorney General, uh, Xavier uh, Basella, something like that. Um, he's the Attorney General in the state since it's a sanctuary state, and passed another law. If you have, uh, if you're a, a business and you call federal ICE, you know immigration people. Mm-hmm. If you call ICE, you're going to be prosecuted as a criminal by state law. So you have a For federal law. Yes. Let's let's say you have a business, and you it's a donut shop. Just picking a business here. You got a donut shop across the street is your competitor. All right, and then hire a bunch of illegals. What are you going to do? Of course, you're going to call Federal ICE and say, you know what? Well, my neighbor there, he's got low prices because he's hiring illegals and paying them under the table. Of course, you're going to do that. If you do that, the Attorney General has declared that you have committed a crime, and we will prosecute you for calling Federal ICE. Wow. Yeah. It's is nuts. And so there was he was on Fox News with Tucker Carlson, I can't remember his name. He's actually running for governor because Jerry Brown is turn, terming out. But basically, um he gosh, what's what's the assemblyman's name? I can't remember right now, but he is furious. He's calling for Trump and Sessions to get out here and indict the state attorney general for threatening, and it'll probably happen, people going to jail because they called ICE on illegal immigrants. That's because we're a sanctuary state. You know, you take your new California, the western 10 counties, 
you know, you become your own state, but don't do this crap to us. Unbelievable stuff. Oh, and by the way, a third of the nation's homeless is here. And we happen to have the highest um, per capita people in the poverty level than any other state. There's a ranking all 50 states. Guess what? California, number one. Am I scaring you people to never move to California? <laughs> it's just gone nuts. And the that is Kelly. Um, doesn't California bring in more um, taxes than any other state? More in state income tax, more um, um, purchase tax, you know, um, sales tax. Um, oh, it has, you know, it has all sorts of taxes like crazy, and it ain't working. Yeah, just, obviously, I mean, more, you got the highest poverty with the highest taxes, too. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? Well, I had this realization. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. People are just taxed like crazy. It's just, it's frustrating. And um, housing prices are insane because of the Subdivision mm-hmm. Map Act and, and the Environmental Quality Act. Housing prices are stupidly high because there's no, it chokes the supply of land. And they're just not getting Well, let's just throw money at it. Let's just throw more money at it. Let's, let's throw more money at it. And, you know, some say, well, it's, it's Cloward and Pliven plan to – destroy the system. Oh, so you have all these social programs that destroys the state so you can bring in socialism? Wait a minute. So the, the thing that you're using to destroy a state is what you want to implement in the end? It just got, guys, this just don't make no sense. I mean, you know, my country farm boy sense was like, no, guys. So you want to implement socialism down the road with a redo or a reset of the government, but how do you bring the government down? Socialism, social programs, destroy businesses, so you Kill. can bring in the same system later. I, I don't. It doesn't. I, I don't. It, it may, don't make no sense. Kelly, go ahead, John. And then I've got an article that uh, I've actually got here from the uh, Bard's Logical Talk website's newsroom. And uh, you know, sometimes I believe in serendipity, um, but uh, one of the things I want to read. It's an article here. Uh, well. It'll be after you guys, but um, that Gingrich wrote on January 17th, and it says Hawaii. Your vocals went out. It is his take on on the article, and it just—I mean, it's it serendipitous, but it just happens to be on the uh, the Bard's Logical Talk newsroom. This article I got it from, uh, and it's it's under the world uh, headings. You know the. Uh, the articles under the world heading on on the uh, website. So I just want to uh, read that letter and get some get your take uh, from uh, from Joe. Go ahead, uh, guys. Well, this is wanted to hello. Go ahead, John. Go ahead, oh, John. I heard the click and then it was so silent. And I was like, Oh no, we didn't get cut off again, did we? But um, what I was going to say or ask is, you know. Kelly's looking at this, and I'm grateful that you're such an astute and um, I, I just I just deem you as a scholarly kind of person. That's just my take on you. But somebody like you, well, I have school, I, I'm scholarly enough, just barely enough to have you fooled. Well, hey, that <laughs> that don't take much, brother. I mean, 
you didn't you didn't put a very high bar when you said that, but thank you for the compliment. <laughs> but what I was going to point out is that it seems to me, and you know, I could be wrong. I kind of live in a bubble and, and a bit myopic, but it's it's happening all over America. It's just much more extreme and pronounced in certain parts of California, and to me. It's a strategy, like you were saying about the cloud and piven trick, to overwhelm the system to the point that we are bankrupt in so many different ways that they have to they have they turn around and say, "Look, American citizens, we're so bad off. We have to call in the United Nations to help us. We got to actually can, you know, consolidate with the world. We cannot just bank on us being a national group anymore because we're so in debt and." We got so many needs, and we're so overwhelmed by just trying to provide for everybody. The resources are over, you know, whelmed and everything. We just now have to work with the global, you know, world order people or whatnot. You know, the United Nations and the World Trade Organization, the World Bank, and all them folks. Is that possible? We keep fighting. Um... You know, the QAnon, you can look it up. It's interesting. But there's leaks. It looks like deliberate leaks. Supposedly, indictment, the numbers of indictments are up. Sealed indictments are up to like 9,000. And supposedly, um, well, this can be fair, verified because L.A. Clinton has a cast, but she's got a ankle bracelet, the kind that you have for house arrest. And so she's got a, a cast around her foot her leg covered up. So it's real interesting. But if if it happens, you know, there's that memo that came out recently. Well, it came out to Congress, and the Republicans are screaming, get the memo out. The American people need to see this. This is corruption to the top level. And the Democrats are screaming, oh, no, it's just a bunch of lies, a bunch of baloney. And you look at it, well, we have a new Justice Department now. Um, it's no longer under Loretta um, Lynch, and before him, the chief cover-up. Um, oh, what's his name? Um, the previous AG. But basically, you've got a, a changing guard now, and they're going after the bad guys. And I'm just hoping that a whole bunch of indictments come out. Because you, you look at how crazy some of these people are with DACA. Uh, was it uh, was it Feinstein or no? It was the uh, Pelosi's. Like, I'm leaving this party because people won't stand up for illegals. Yeah, uh, shouldn't we think about Americans first? Hello, she's so upset. I mean, these people are so deluded in their minds. How in the world can they not commit crimes and get discovered when we have a change of guard? It just takes time for the legal process to get these jokers and get them indicted. Uh, it'll be real interesting to see what's going to happen in the next few months when some of the one of the first ones came out, and it was basically a Muslim. And uh, you know, of course, you got the funding game and Clinton Foundation and da 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 da. So if the snake gets cut in half, or maybe in the best the best of uh, hopes, the snake's head is cut off. Then we could see a lot of pushback against the New World Order. 
and and then uh, if a number of seats, Republicans and Democrats, get booted out or they quit, resign, flee to Ecuador where there's no extradition treaty, then just maybe um, we could really strengthen our country again and get back to constitution, the rule of law, and maybe ethical people in Congress. So that would be a very good thing. We just have to cross our fingers, pray, and wait, wait and see. And now, real quick, um, before we move, uh, before I get to the article, now if I can get, uh, yeah, not a good sense of my computer, the phrase. Um, that was weird. Uh, Susan, yeah, go ahead, Susan. Uh, if you guys want to make some closing comments, because she's got to go for this evening before I get to the article, uh, let's go ahead and get Susan uh, the opportunity to do her closing comments for the evening. Go ahead. Um. What's his bucket? The Winston Churchill. That he read said that I had read that before. I have no admiration for Winston Churchill. He was part of a new world order, and he knew that war wasn't necessary. So you're not going to get any respect from me for that man. And as far as Mitch McConnell, that Cindy was talking about, yeah, I agree with her. <laughs> no balls, McConnell. That's what I call him. Uh, I actually called and told his staffer that I could send or would send a pair of brass ones for him. They declined the offer. <laughs> so, you know, I guess he didn't want any to <laughs> add to his little collection of whatever he has. So, I mean, he's just plain. He, what can I say? I have no respect for McConnell. There's a lot of politicians. In most countries, I do not have a lot of respect for. Sorry. I can't help it. You know, a lot of them are part of the global elite, and you can't trust them, and you have to be careful. And I'm not speaking of Rand and Ron Paul either. So, uh, anyway, that's pretty much it. I just, you know, hearing that about Winston Churchill, I'm just like, oh, a lot of people really don't know he was a bad guy. In that sense, he he really was. So, I'd like to see some evidence for that. I've I've heard this before. I just I just haven't seen any evidence for it. Uh, well, most of the British, Queen Elizabeth, uh, her son, uh, they're all part of that. Uh, they're globalists. Plain and simple. That war was not necessary. World War One was stupid. World War Two was stupid. We have a lot of wars that are stupid. The I mean, John Birch Society ought to do his research there, and they'll, they'll come up with that. It was all part of the game. Happened after uh, the Titanic sank, and a lot of the people that were opposed, the bankers, the rich guys that were on there, uh, they were opposed to the Federal Reserve. Once that got in from Jekyll and Hyde Island, hey, it was onward and upward to these wars. That's what it was all about. You mean the Lusitania was sunk for World War One, no. getting America into World War One? Well, that too, but no, the Titanic was the, they had to get rid of the, oh, I can't think of their names, those rich guys, the one owned the stores and that, because they were against, uh, that was done on purpose, the Titanic. Plain and simple. You had, and they'll, and, they'll, and they'll take innocent people, thousands of them out, 
in order to accomplish their, just like they got rid of uh, Larry McDonald on the North, uh, the Korean plot, the KAL. I mean, they had to get rid of him because he was going to declare to run for president. He was head of the John Birch Society after Robert Walsh died. It had to get rid of him. And if it, any means necessary, any means, anyone, anytime. If you think you're safe, if you have any influence, you're not. You're not safe. So, yeah, I mean, hmm. Pearl Harbor, there's a lot of ships that have gone down. That's, that's part, it's, it's all part of the game. Well, it's interesting how a lot of globalists invested in Germany in the 30s. The Audubon was built, and then they had money for aircraft factories, which there was a civilian air force. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, you know, somehow they picked somebody who was probably demonically possessed, i.e. Hitler, who a few months after he was vice chancellor, he became chancellor and made the Fuhrer position. And the Nazis were quite storming uh, politically the country, and of course there was a strong – Believe it or not, strong Nazi party in the 30s in America. That was quite stunning. Um, and of course, they were in Argentina and Chile and even Antarctica, and they were all over the world. I mean, they were setting up for world domination for a thousand year reign, but they could not have done it financially unless the globalists had invested heavily in Germany during the 30s. It's a fascinating study. Well, the Bushes, Grandpappy Bush, had money Prescott, on both sides mean, of the war. Yeah. yeah. He had money on both sides of the war. So did oil he companies, was, too, selling to both sides. No, and Ford, Ford, you know, the new one, they're still going to make money. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Ford, yes. Adolf, Adolf Hitler had a, had a painting of Henry Ford in his office because the Ford Motors were going into their – uh, military equipment. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some weird stuff going on there with the globalists and what they wanted. Three world wars. There's one, number two, and now we have uh, supposedly they've planned World War Three. So, yeah, it's uh, because then what will happen is uh, they'll need a global government. A government. From all these wars, you know, one, two, three. Okay, we need a, a a world government with teeth and taxes and a military, and then there you go, world government. So that's their plan. Yeah. They don't. There's a problem. Well, I'm going to get off, and um, uh, it's good good discussion. Well, I yeah, appreciate you, Susan. Before you leave, Susan, I, I would encourage you to pray and everybody pray that we avoid the New World Order, at least in America. It's already... Well, we're definitely trying to, uh, to, to educate people on it and definitely, you know, the education part is the, you know, knowing about it and being awake, as, as, as Joe points out. Uh, so we can fight it. And speaking of that, I got this this article here again. You know, it's on the Bard's Lodge Critical Types uh, website on the um, on the newsroom page. 
And it says, now, it's a little bit of an older article. I'm not meaning an article, older, it's about eight days old, but I think you like to kind of get his take on it. Uh, being there now in Hawaii, so it's, it's great to add yet another state uh, that's been uh, called in. And actually, as I stated earlier, being in some, some international listeners, which is interesting. But anyway, it says, um, on Saturday, Hawaiians were startled, uh, or in Joe's case, was sleeping. But you uh, <laughs> uh, slept right through it. But Saturday, Hawaiians were startled and frightened by a civil defense warning that missiles were on the way, and it was a not not a drill, but the real thing. After 38 minutes of frantically trying to find safe cover, some families on uh, Alhu, uh, how do you pronounce that, Joe? O A A Q. Oahu. Oahu. Thank you. Yes, that's what Joe said. <laughs> uh, drove to the opposite side of the island to seek shelter in caves in order to try to survive the expected nu- wow nuclear blast. Okay, uh, Hawaiians were told the whole thing was a mistake and there was no imminent missile attack. Of course, Hawaiians were furious at the state government for this frightening accident. I heard one guy even had a heart attack, unfortunately. But anyway, um, it said much attention was paid. Uh, to the one state employee who mistaken, mistakenly selected the wrong computer option <laughs> Wow! Uh, during a routine drill following a shift change. Washington was glad that Hawaii Governor David uh, Igg or, or whatever uh, took responsibility at the state level. However, all this blame, casting, and acceptance misses the real warning inherent in the accidental event. Imagine that the warning had been real. Imagine that there had been one or more missiles equipped with nuclear warheads on the way. Are we confident we could defend Oahu, uh, the U.S. Pacific Command, and all the people on the Hawaiian Islands? I'll try to scare you here, Joe. It says current ballistic missile defense involves uh, launching ships or land-based interceptor missiles to shoot down a ballistic missile in flight. This has been likened to shooting a bullet with a bullet. I fear that our defense system could handle no more than two or three missiles before coming, becoming saturated. In fact, we would, need, we would need three or four defensive anti-missile launches per each incoming offensive to have reasonable confidence that Honolulu would be safe. Uh, to make this defensive challenge even more complex, the North Koreans, like the Chinese and the Russians, are working to develop a submarine-launched missile. So while the fact that Hawaiians were frightened by a false alarm is upsetting, our real concern should be ensuring we can keep American cities from being hit by nuclear missiles. Today, our anti-ballistic missile systems are much too weak, and our anti-cruise missile systems are virtually non-existent. We have been trapped by political timidity, the liberal fantasy that space can be kept free of weapons, and a defense bureaucracy, large corporation lobbyist complex that wants to focus spending on obsolete programs using outmodeled technologies. I am extremely worried that we are going to lose one or more American cities in the next decade or two if we do not improve our defensive capabilities. The loss of life will be almost unendurable. The loss of our freedom is a very da- in a very dangerous world will be horrifying. The requirement that we retaliate forcefully land with comparable nuclear weapons will compound the loss of lives horrendously. Having effective defense against any attack 
has become one of the highest national priorities. However, we have neither a visionary proposal, practical implementation system, nor a communication program to get the public and Congress to support such an enormous undertaking. Yet the failure to act boldly and decisively could even lead to the loss of millions of American lives. We have, and we talked, remember, we talked about not that long ago, we're, we're getting ready to bring it up on this, in this article. You know, I said this just serendipitously came up uh, that I noticed I had this article on, on the website. It says, and, and look back in our archives, folks, because we did, you know, when we talked about this, is we have a precedent for thinking boldly about missile defense. President Ronald Reagan proposed a comprehensive missile defense system, which included a space-based missile defense system in his 1983 Strategic Defense Initiative, uh, uh, SDI, remember that, folks, uh, defense initiative. At the time, our current ballistic missile defense system was in the development, de- developmental phase. Today, we have a potential to build a substantial missile defense system that would dra- uh, dramatically increase the safety of the American people. In the three and a half decades since President Reagan offered a bold, visionary way to break out of the nuclear nightmare, the technologies have improved dramatically. The Cray 2, which was released two years after Reagan's proposal was and was believed to be the fastest machine at the time had the processing power of an iPhone 4. With this ex- uh, exponential increase in computing power and the emergence of reusable launch vehicles for space, the potential to a <clears throat> I'm sorry, the potential to field a space-based system is real and eminently rational. However, the military procurement system and current missile defense bureaucracies are incapable of rapid development and innovative at the speed we need to offset threats from North Korea, Iran, and other dangerous regimes. President Trump should propose a space. We're talking about what you know. Talk about it, the State of the Union address, folks. This can fit right in there. Uh, President Trump should propose a space defense implementation command with lean procurement rules and entrepreneurial hiring and firing capability. It should operate like Silicon Valley rather than K Street. The president should make an Oval Office address describing the genuine threat and the horror of what would have occurred if the Hawaiian alert had been real. He should challenge members of Congress to fully fund a multi-year space combat missile defense system precisely as they would a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. To save American cities, we need stability in funding, reliability in management, and consistent political support built around saving millions of Americans' lives. Additionally, the Air Force should establish a space combat command designed to wage and win space wars in space. It is abundantly clear that our potential adversaries know how much we rely on space-based assets for communication and intelligence. It is also clear that if we enter a war with any of these regimes, they would intend to kill or cripple our systems while protecting and, if necessary, renewing their own. It took only four or 15 years to go from the Wright brothers, the first airplane flight, to massive military use of air power in World War One. You can see we mentioned the World War. So for the last 61 years, dating from the Soviet launch of Sputnik, which you heard that JFK mentioned in our clip tonight, uh, we have avoided confronting the reality that space is a dominion or domain 
which will inevitably become an arena for conflict fully as much as land, sea, air, or cyber. We need to bring security-focused thinking, doctrines, war games, and technologies to bear to defend American interests in space and Americans wherever they are. Millions of lives could be at stake. The loss of 2,966 lives on September 11, 2001, launched a series of wars which have left 6,948 Americans dead and more than 52,000 wounded over 16 years. At the same time, the United States has spent $7.6 trillion. If fewer than 3,000 casualties galvanized this explosion of effort, uh, what should we be prepared to do to save uh, – go ahead, Joe. What's the name of that place? Uh, who? Uh, oh, wow. Uh, More yeah. than 953,000 residents, the U.S. military personnel assigned there, and thousands of visiting tourists. This is what would have been at risk if Hawaiian's alert had been real. Next time, it may be. The act, the time to act is now before a disaster. So, I mean, that, that article, I think it really fits in uh, with a lot of what we talked talk in tonight. I mean, I, I literally just kind of, you know, fell into <laughs> looking at the website. So there's some serendipity, in my opinion, for you. But, but Joe, I'd really like to get your, your thoughts first on that. Sure, and um, here's where the fake news comes into play, and uh, here's where you're going to get the real version of what happened that day and the travesty behind it. Why I slept through it, most people slept through it because, A, the alarm happened very early on a Saturday morning, and, uh, B, most of the alarms did not sound off in most of the key areas of Oahu. Uh, I woke up to text notifications at the government level sending a warning. So essentially most of Hawaii would have had it hit, had it been real, would have not even known what hit him. Now the sad part is Governor Ige, who is the uh, Democratic incumbent governor, the real travesty behind it is there is no preparation by the state for what to do if there was a, a real alarm. There's no preparation. There's no drills. There are no underground bunkers. So that was really the laughing stock. Uh, and there was a lot of backlash towards Governor Ige, who's facing a Democratic primary because uh, he's up for re-election this year. Because had that missile hit, even if most people were awake, hypothetically, there's no plan B. There's no preparation. None has been implemented by the state. There are no underground bunkers. There literally would have been no place for anyone to hide uh, without being exposed to radiation. So there would be nowhere to run to. That's the sad part. And, and B, the very few people who were up and who did hear the alarm they panicked because there was no preparation. The, the alarm sounded, but there was no direction. There was no statement from the governor indicating where to go or what to do. Basically, what the notification said was just try to get to, uh, you know, uh, high ground and, and hide because there are no basements in, in Hawaii. There are no underground bunkers. Uh, and that was the backlash that he's facing now. And what's scary is if that is the realistic scenario in Hawaii, 
what's to say that other states like California that are also within close range also don't have a preparation plan whatsoever if one were to hit, or neither are there governments at the local level even starting to implement preparation plans or drills or create underground bunkers or safe havens. And so that is the real news that you're going to hear the truth, the real version that was not reported in any way, shape, or form by the mainstream media. Uh, and, uh, and the situation was completely hyperbolized when they were saying so many people were running frantic. That's not for, that could be further from the truth because most of the people were in bed sleeping for those who had Saturdays off. And uh, that's that's the reality of how that played out. And, and you would think that Hawaii, especially, you know, since World War II, <laughs> you know, would have and you know, the, one of the close, you know, at least to Japan is the closest state, you know, to there. You would think that even during that time they would have built some kind of bunkers or something. I mean, they could have just again come across, you know, the ocean. <laughs> And uh, you, you know, and and, and you know, cause the havoc. You think they'd have they, they, by that time uh, they would have done something about it. But obviously, even after what you, you know, fifty, you know, sixty years, they they, they haven't. <laughs> Seventy years, I guess, even. Exactly, and there is no preparation plan to this very day. Right now, as I speak, the 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 governor. At the state level, Governor Ige, he still has not announced any implementations of any drills or creating any safe havens. And that is really the scary reality, is they're not even preparing or even starting to prepare for that. So, um, you know, it makes me wonder if if they are that incompetent uh, at the state level in Hawaii uh, you know, makes me wonder about California and other states. Are they also prepared to? Do they have a contingency plan? Uh, do they have underground bunkers? Because, uh, you know, um, my friend from California, um, forgive me, I don't remember your first name, um, uh, but bringing up World War Kelly. II, uh, what's his, his name again? I'm sorry. Kelly. Oh, Kelly, I'm so sorry. My apologies. What saved a lot of people in World War II, especially the Britons, were the fact that they had underground bunkers during the air raids. And in France, uh, and also on, on the opposite side, uh, in Germany, uh, a, lot of this, a lot of people were spared because of the underground bunkers that were created during the air raids. And so you would think that uh, Americans, especially after post-World War II and going into the uh, Cold War with the Soviet Union, you would think that they would have many states that would have built uh, bunkers in preparation uh, for an event like that. Um, but to your point, Robert, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't seem so, which makes absolutely no sense. And because the Europeans did take the initiative to take these, uh, you know, drills seriously and Dill did uh, build uh, underground bunkers, uh, a lot more lives would have been lost had it not been for those underground bunkers during World War II, during the uh, air raids. 
Well, it kind of reminds me of those, you know, those old, uh, I don't know, commercials or TV shows or whatever that show kids hiding under, you know, during the Cold War, uh, hiding under desks and stuff like that. Well, that's not going to stop them. I mean, that, that's not going to stop a conventional missile, nonetheless, a, a nuclear one, having kids, ho- you know, hovering under de- desks. And, uh, you know, now also a, a second thing I just heard today, I was talking to somebody uh, you know, work today and where we're at lunch, and I don't even know what the context of the conversation was brought up, but you know, she was a friend of mine. She was talking about you know, how Mormons, they, uh, it's part of the religion or something because I guess they're waiting for the rapture or something like that. Where they, I mean, it's part of their like religion to like save up seven years worth of food because you know, when, the, when the time, according to them, uh, when the time comes, you know, one of the reasons why they're going to be the, the chosen few to be saved from the rapture is because you know, they've You've been prepared with saving up food and, I guess, having themselves some kind of shelter and water and things of that nature, or seven years or something like that. I mean, it just that just came up a conversation we were talking about. I guess different. And it's funny, actually. It was uh, what brought it warm is what we were having a uh, we were having a polygamy <laughs> we are having a polygamy conversation <laughs> at lunch, and, uh, and she just talked about how you know how Mormons prepare supposed to prepare like. For seven years of you know during the rapture, but anyway, uh, I'm not trying to do what uh, Kelly calls me turning to uh, the Bard's Logic Bible Hour. <laughs> we do, um, but yeah, I mean Kelly, I mean uh, you being you being in California, I mean have you seen any touches wrong the topic subject? And I guess we'll move our way uh, east uh, was this part of the conversation. And John, I, I really, I mean, I think you're in Florida, John, but um, so maybe we'll go from co- one coast to the other. And I'm in the Midwest. So maybe I'm the safest bunch here, at least on the line right now. Um, and, and so, Kelly, I mean, what, what, do you guys have anything there in the the great state of California? Well, we have a bunch of uh, <clears throat> gold mines that are basically caves, and you can go in there when there's a nuclear war. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, not that I could probably. One, yeah, yeah I, I could actually be one in one in about 20 minutes. Um, but um, I mean, this whole you have a gold mine, don't you? Um, yeah. You still have that gold mine? Well, I was out trying to work it today. I got all wet, and uh, I think we only had. I think we were at like forty degrees when I was out there, and like boots were soaking wet, and and got in the creek. But anyway, um, but yeah, Great Britain. This uh, gentleman, which I really like, um. He's got a nice demeanor. The tone of his voice is very attractive. Uh, what's his name again? What's about John? Joe, I mean. No. The, <laughs> John, too. Joe. Just, thank Joe? you very much. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Joe. Hey, uh, yeah, great to talk with you here. Um, Likewise. But, yeah, Bunk. Bunk you're from, New York. you're originally from New York, aren't you, Joe? Originally from New York, exactly. Oh, man, you went from one you went from one end of the country to the other, really. <laughs> <laughs> I sure did. Uh, so I, I where wow. are you at now? Where, uh, where are you living? He's in Hawaii. Yeah. I'm in Hawaii. I oh, live you're, in Honolulu. Oh, so you actually got the text. I mean okay, Mike okay, you're the guy. You were getting these texts that were state authorized texts. Were you freaking out? To be very honest. Um, because of, um, you know, the type of mentality that, that affected New Yorkers after 9-11, um, you know, uh, you, 
you would think that I would be scared, but you know, living in New York after nine eleven has it it, it it changed us forever. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, um, and the fact that we had to have eyes behind our head. But in another way, um, it just became a, an everyday life of us knowing that we were the most vulnerable place if another major terrorist attack would occur. And it just eventually just became a way of, of, of life, uh, of complacency, of accepting that it's just part of living in New York, you know, that fear, that threat's always going to be there. So it's probably because of that that I didn't panic in any way, shape, or form if it wasn't for uh, me uh, living in New York after 9-11 and that becoming a state of mind. Um, and so that's probably why I didn't freak out whatsoever. Wow, that's interesting. Um yeah, because, um, you know, we were talking about bunkers, and that's a good question. Why aren't there bunkers? Where are the bunkers? Why don't we have bunkers? I mean, we, you know, we happen to have well, this took that, they, took that, and, they took that show off the air years ago, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Bunkers? Um, no, I'm just <laughs> Archie Bunker? Well, <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help Yeah, Archie that. Bunker? Oh, that one. Okay, those bunkers. Okay. But, um, <laughs> yeah, 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 you're trying You're trying to uh, be like Kelly here, that some of my jokes just kind of are boring. But anyway. You over like your lad <laughs> Um But uh, anyway, the uh, I mean, that's on me. Robert, your jokes are generally more funny than mine. But anyway, all right. But, um, yeah, that is a good question. Why aren't we uh, – oh, of course, you got uh, bunkers for the elite. But where are the bunkers for the civilians? England had them all over the place. It was mind blowing. Um, they they really yeah they they had the bunkers, absolutely had the bunkers, and uh, you know every night people got even uh, Christmas one year it was nineteen forty Christmas, they were in the bunkers and they kept singing. They kept singing you know Christmas songs and what have you, and they're going to have their Christmas in a bunker. Um, I mean, they pack them in like sardines, but that's how the nation survived. And then the next day, they'd go to work at the factories. Um, and it's just it's mind blowing what those people went through. And and Joe, kind of like you, maybe they got used to a different way of life. Um, it, you know, it is what it is, and they adjust. But the um, well, there's nothing. Another thing stunning about Winston Churchill, and you know, I encourage people to go to the movie Darkest Hour just because you see all the political. Infighting. Yeah, I would like to do that too, just for that. Yeah, yeah, it it should be coming out on video pretty soon. But the uh, infighting amongst, uh, I mean, I went to the Libertarian National Convention, the state convention, and there's little clicks and infighting in games, and it's just stupid. But you see it all to the deepest level in in Darkest Hour. And uh, so, anyway, yeah, bunkers, bunkers. Where's the bunkers? Come on, guys, where's the bunkers? Um, Darn good question. Where are the bunkers? Well, and you and you would actually think. Um, well, I, I guess you know with with nine eleven and the and the type of attack that uh, it was. Uh, you know, I, I still think that because yes, it was an attack. It was an attack on our home soil, uh, the mainland, even as it were. Uh, I still think that you know people were 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 afraid. But besides the you know the Civil War you know and then of course the Revolutionary War, I mean America is a you know mainland America really doesn't know 
I mean, 9-11, it was an attack. But I mean, as a nation, it's like a nation being attacked. I mean, when you had Germany and you had England, you know, and Austria, you know, even Germany, you know, those nations, I mean, and even in parts of Russia, inside of Russia, I mean, they had boots-on-the-ground war, you know, modern-day war boots-on-the-ground. I mean, the United States really hasn't had that. Um, You know, as I said, not since, you know, I guess the Civil War here, you know, maybe some of the, you know, more southern, you know, like with Mexico or stuff like that. But, I mean, um, I mean, nothing where our entire nation – we never had where our entire nation was engulfed in war. We never had like an eastern and, and, and northern or western front or, or front where the whole nation was just engulfed, you know, in a war like that, you know, as I said, except for revolution. But I mean, in modern in, in modern times, we haven't had that. And so I think what that does is that that makes us really feel like we're safe, you know, and that maybe that's why we don't, you know don't have those those bunkers or something because you know somewhere in our our mind we're like well we're safe, you know, I mean let's not yeah, you know that happened here. Well, we have a geographical advantage. I mean, yes, we have Canadians that have been our allies. Oh, by the way, Article of Confederation, we invited Canada to secede from Great Britain and join us in the Articles of Confederation. We've had years and years and years, and the Canadians are very peaceful people. you got Mexico, which is like um, – they're in the top five of our trade partners. So we have been at peace with, with our neighbors – and of course, you got Central America, which is mostly Catholic, which is mostly peaceful. Um, so we geographically, we just haven't had the issues. Like for example, in World War II, I mean Luxembourg, you can go for, there for a salad. Um, literally in one work project, that's what some guys did, and it cost them fifty bucks, and they were laughing at the Americans. But you can go to Luxembourg for um, lunch, and then. Half hour later, you'll be in Belgium or back to Germany. You know, it's that close, and, you know, it's kind of like going from, say, you know, southern Iowa to Missouri, or, you know, say you're in the southeast corner, you can be in Illinois right away, a few more hours, well, maybe six or seven, you'd be in Indiana. That's Europe, but America has this enormous geographical advantage, um, rather, rather strange, but that's what we have. Um, so we we have had peace. We've had generations of peace, which has been very uh, fortunate. Um, I mean, I I thought about it the other day. I looked at my grandpa. I looked at my dad. Um, just generations of peace. Some might call me a scholar or whatever you want to call me. But I have been the product of, of three generations of peace. Uh, my grandpa was too young for World War One, too old for World War Two. He was born in 1901, and you know, and, and my mother and, and my dad. He was in the Korean War and the Navy for a short time. But you know, yeah, my dad, my dad was in Korea. Oh, he was okay. Yeah. So I mean, there's beautiful things about America. I mean, we've got all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of different, different, you know, cultural positive. Uh, family-loving, generations, generations. And we've had generations of peace. And, it, and you know, people invent, they make money, they they love their families, the third, fourth, fifth generations. you got the loving sweetheart grandmother who who lived through this, this generations of peace. Europe has seen war after war after war, going back to, what, I think, the 1400s. Um, 
you know, it's absolutely fascinating how we have been so blessed. But, yes, again, because of long-range missile, King Jong-un and Korea, we need to have bunkers, folks. Where are bunkers? Um, where are they? I yield. I 100% agree with you, Kelly. I, I don't even think there's a national um, implementation plan on a national level uh, if there were ever uh, a nuclear holocaust, which would be uh, if we ever got into what what you were 